do that. Here he comes. Here he comes. comes. He's coming. He's sitting He's down. He's at the 20. He's at the 30. He's been on his edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Yeah. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. Welcome to the Dale Jr. Download. Another episode coming at you. Mike Davis, Matthew Dillner, Leavon, everybody's here. We've got Simon Pagino. Mm. He's on our uh he's 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 in the house tonight. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Simon is the uh, Indy 500 champion. He swept the uh the, the the month of May, won the GP race on the road course, then the pole. Um, got to hang out with him a little bit in Indy. He's coming to the show. Before we get to our guests, we're going to um, talk about a few things. Father's Day yeah. Um, what did everybody do for Father's Day? Everybody have a good one. You know, Father's Day means something a little new now around the Earnhardt House. Doesn't this is my second <laughs> one. Um, Father's Day is pretty fun for me. Yeah. What'd you, you know? do? And well, I, it's one. It's the one day where now I always do this, but it's the one day where I do it without any guilt. <laughs> right. I yeah. lay around on the couch and watch TV. <laughs> That's it. And it's my day to do it without feeling bad about doing it. Um, but now nah, we just we had a big get together. On Saturday, and it was unrelated to Father's Day. We got a lot of friends uh, in this group text chat. There's about 54 people in it, and we basically are going to have this annual event where all those people are invited to the house and we hang out. That's it. We just we ordered some Gary's barbecue from Troutman, and uh, you know just swim in a pool. Everybody brings the kids if they want and hang out. And so that's what we did all day Saturday. So Sunday was a lazy day. Um, we cleaned up a little bit and watch tv and um amy has a gift it's not ready or came in yet but she's excited about it so that's Mm. got me excited about it last year if you remember her uh father's day gift was the onesie taco onesie right (laughs) how can we forget yeah and she was excited about that but i thought it was a joke i was like okay where's the real gift you know this is obviously some kind of gag gift but no that was the gift and so this year she says she's got something she thinks that i'll be really excited about she doesn't have to get me anything but um, she's pumped it up, hyped it up, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, Father's Day is pretty cool. Yeah, you get. I mean, I got people texting me Happy Father's Day. Yeah, like for you know, 44 years of my life, that never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty weird. It feels weird. You know, kind of like when you get married and you can you can then say my wife, or you know, instead of my fiance or my girlfriend, you go my wife. Or, right. You know, it's weird. It's cool. You're proud of it, uh, but it's but it's strange. It's new. And so it's pretty interesting uh, getting text messages, Happy Father's Day, because you just never never assumed you're going to be a daddy, and now you are. Okay, I guess I'm we, the only we, one that experiences we, this. We, we never yeah. assumed you were going to be a daddy either. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody, yeah, so anyways, Father's Day was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything else we did, but don't think we did accomplish no, anything. Low-key Father's Day yeah, is the Father's best day. kind of Father's Day. I don't like, know, Amy said, hey, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't want to do anything. That's the Father's Day. Yeah. That's the kind of Father's Day you aim for right yeah. there. The one where you can just have a guilt-free nothing day. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Guilt-free. Yeah. yeah. Like, what did you guys do? I, I, it's a lot of the same. Yeah, same Sat thing. around and, and, and did not allow myself to feel guilty about it. I mean, we watched the U.S. Uh, women's soccer game. And that was yesterday, uh, that was at noon, and so we watched that for a few hours, mm-hmm. and that, and then we just kind of, I mean, I just did oh, did a lot of nothing. I watched some racing. Oh, we yeah. had the Xfinity race, the truck race, too. Did you like that doubleheader, Xfinity and truck on the same day? Awesome. I enjoyed it, because you got a little break. You got a little, you know, hey, the truck race was crazy. We got to talk about that. But you got, you got the truck race, it was pretty fun, and then you had a little break waiting on that Xfinity race, and that was, you know, even though it was dominated by uh, uh, Christopher Bell. 
It was still a good race. Yeah, but the double header. But go back to your point. Double headers are nice. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I, you pack that day full of uh, good racing. Yeah. Now, now let's go back to the truck race. Yeah. So the truck race. We had a uh, Johnny Solder get uh, had some uh, got in trouble. Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen to him. There's a lot of debate on social media about exactly what his uh, penalty should be if he does get one, whether it's fine or suspension. We'll talk about that, but. So basically what happened was is he was out on the racetrack with uh, Austin, Austin, Austin Hill. Hill. All right, Austin Hill in the 16, right? Austin is taking over the 16 truck. He is a uh, – I think he's a deserving driver, but he's coming Sorry. into a championship truck. A lot of pressure on him to, to live up to expectations of what that team can do. And uh, maybe he ain't quite met that expectation yet or he doesn't realize – he hasn't realized what they're capable of just yet, so maybe he's feeling a little pressure. Uh, but he's also a big boy. He's not a little guy, mm. and he's not going to get pushed around by anybody, especially Johnny Sauter. Now, Johnny Sauter is a guy that I don't know that a lot of people are going to run into ever. And if Johnny pushes you around, you just kind of say, "Hey, uh, you know, that's Johnny. That's what John. You know, that's, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get in the middle of that, right?" Does, does it, anybody else on the show? Is this just me? No, 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 no. I mean, oh. hey, when it comes so, to when it comes, I. I I'm too biased to talk about this he, one because I'm buddies with both of them. So we are – I don't care if you're friends with them. We're on a podcast here. You're just supposed <laughs> to talk about your feelings and talk about your emotions. <laughs> my, my point um, – my question is, is that, is that a Johnny Sauter thing or is that a Sauter family thing? Uh, Sauter stigma? family thing. Yeah. I don't think so. – I never thought Jay was that J- way. Jay was uh, J- Jay was the calmest probably of them all. Right. So, so I don't know if it's a Sauter family thing. I think J- Johnny's just um, – Johnny a just a bulldog. Yeah, so that's a great way to expl- explain it. So Johnny's that way. He's developed a uh, – he's a racer. He's developed a reputation to be of, of this type of guy. And so it was interesting to see anyone challenge him. Okay. All right. So, so he wrecks him. He, so, so Austin Hill. Austin, he bumped Austin going into turn one. And uh, we don't know what was happening to lead up to that. Maybe right. Johnny was getting a little impatient. There was stuff the week before yeah. in Texas. Okay. So they had a little deal in Texas. Yeah. Um, and uh, turn three and four, he goes down in there and, and spins him out. Johnny in, puts, puts Johnny in the wall. I don't know if he was meaning to wreck him, Ooh, he, but he – he turned him around. Yeah, yeah, he turned um, him around. Yeah, he I didn't think it. he hit him that hard. Well, he said it. He, he said he did it on purpose. Oh, I know, but I just don't know if he really was trying to wreck him. I just don't think he hit him hard enough for an intentional, I want to put this guy in the fence. That didn't look like a, I'm putting you in the wall. That looked like, I'm going to knock you up the track. And if you can if you can catch it, you can save it. Good for you. Well, Johnny didn't save it. He backed it in the wall. Uh then the TV cuts away uh, <laughs> to something else, and uh, uh, then they cut back, and Johnny is driving through this guy. <laughs> Caution's I mean. out. I saw this a couple times on uh, late mall stock cars. Once, once at East Carolina Most Freeway, a little bull ring, and and uh, um, out there in on the East Coast. But um, I could not believe what I was seeing, man. I, I mean, <laughs> unreal. Under caution. Under caution. Some Bowman Gray stuff right there. And everybody started talking about all the uh, the. You know, well, Cobbush did it to Horner Day back then, and that was and way extreme. Though. This other guy's done it, and this other guy's done it, and and there's been varying penalties. Some not, pen- some guys weren't penalized. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Matt Kenseth was was set on set out for a few races. Uh, Cobbush had to set out the Cup race at Texas that weekend. Um, but there's other cases where this has happened, and no no penalty at all, no suspension at all. Uh, probably a fine and some points. Uh, so that's been a big debate on. Uh, what should happen to Johnny? Now, I'm, I'm. It was crazy to see it. Not surprised. Johnny's fiery. He's not going to put up with it. Uh, after the race, um, that that kid gets out of his truck and says, "I don't, I don't care. Johnny can come. Yeah. You know, talk to me. I don't care." He he's said a, he's not going to take it, which yeah. I thought was for a humble kid like that. I was very proud of him. Yeah. 
So he's, he's a big boy. So, so for the record, they parked Johnny, yeah, they parked Johnny. instantly. Like, like yeah. when as soon as he did it, they said, "All right, bring it into the garage." Sure. All right, I'm assuming a fine is coming his way. Right? You can take a fine. I, well, I'm assuming at least a fine. At least a fine. Okay. Do you think a suspension's coming? Is this the debate? I, the debate, I think, is what should happen. Should, should he have to sit? Yeah. Uh, and so, what do you? And think? now that because that, it, I think if you, um, so if you don't race, if he doesn't race, people are assuming then that takes his eligibility out for. Uh, the championship, right? Because you you can't miss a race, right? Why no. couldn't you? You can miss a race. Yeah, but you won't. You'll get a waiver. But they, if they're going to penalize him, they can't. They they can't turn around then give him a waiver. Yeah, but he's got to he's got to win. You can't miss a race. Why can't you miss a race? Because you can't. You have to run all the races. It's a rule. But okay. then why is Ross Chastain able to? Because uh, he got a waiver. Oh, he, he got a waiver. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Oh, so you're saying that. But, but okay, so you're saying that there's no way they would penalize Basically, him and then give him a waiver. I don't think it I defeats don't think the purpose. They, yeah, yeah. I mean, is it what's what's the best for the series? Is the question? Why well, is that the best? Well, I, that's no, my he's question. Asking the question. Oh, okay, what's best that. for the series is in terms of penalize him proper? In terms of integrity, or, or in terms of entertainment? Entertainment? Yeah. Where do you go? That's I think you go with integrity, man. Yeah. Because uh, entertainment's fleeting. Entertainment's here and gone. But we, but the integrity the season, is we're forever. All about entertainment. So Inter- like, where integrity do we go? is forever, man. That's yeah. what you got to aim at. You get, let's let's hit let's hit the nail that's going to help us long term. You know, I don't know that you, I don't know that you have to suspend Johnny. I think that's a little harsh. Because I do too. That 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 not only affects you know obviously Johnny, but that affects that team. These teams are too yeah. fragile. Right. Um, you know, cups a cup team in Good in point. a situation like Kyle Busch at, at Texas or uh, you know, those teams can possibly survive that. Uh, whereas Johnny's, you know, that could be very difficult for a Thor sport uh, to to be able to manage um, going forward. So uh, I, you have to look at that too, as far as does penalizing Johnny hurt the health of the team, which would therefore hurt the health of the series. Uh, maybe I think you have to you have to do something to affect Johnny's thought process about what he did on the racetrack and whether he would do it again. Probation. You got to deter him. From doing it, probation doesn't really do anything. Then, then you can't suspend him, though. So, I think you're gonna you have do? to get in his pocket. Yeah, uh, money is a big deal, but you have to go big on money. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't you can't find these guys' pocket change. You got to yeah. find them something that's going to deter them. Um, and I, I think points as well. Points are so critical. You got to make you got to you got to make him realize that I can't do this again. If, if I'm in this situation, even next year or five years down the road, I'm not gonna make that choice that I made. Because I see that it's made things difficult for me, and um, I think you have to look at how you can make it challenging for him with his point situation, with his playoff opportunities, uh, and also a financial uh, uh, penalty of some sort that makes it difficult uh, for him or makes it challenging for him or his team. Did you see Marcus Lemonis's? Yeah, Marcus, uh, go ahead and run that through. Uh, so Marcus chimed in and he said, totally unacceptable behavior, run hard, turn hard, push the limit, but find the clear line between right and wrong. It was crossed, not my call. And it's good that it's not. Yeah, there you go. That last part. So he's upset. Who is this guy? Tell everybody who he is. uh, You know, involved, of course, with, uh, Gander, uh, you know, the series sponsor, but of course, uh, I think it's CNBC, the profit, uh, you know, he's, he's a pretty well-known guy. So, uh, that's, that's a pretty bold statement. So not only did he say that, but he tagged USA Today, Fox Sports. Yes, I mean he tagged a few he, he, big he, names in there. He's the tag them all kind of tag tweeter. Them all. <laughs> as many as the character space will allow. Yeah. I, can I just say, and I'm, I'm probably in the minority here, but I don't think it. the transgression warrants a suspension. 
I, I, don't, I don't think either. It does. I don't. I agree. Yeah, I don't think a lot. I, th- I think that you're actually in the majority, Mike. I think okay. a lot of people really? don't. A lot of people don't want him to get suspended. Twitter seems well, to but be I, blowing I, up like, I, I'm, like I'm not, hang him on a cross. No kidding. I, I'm yeah, not yeah. bringing in the precedents or anything. I'm talking about what I saw. I have no idea okay. what the precedents were. What I saw. I didn't think it warranted a suspension. I thought it warranted him to get parked, which he was, yep. and fined, which he will. And, and I do think that there are, uh, is a judgment call on what, what exactly he did. There have been times I have, when the wrecks are unsafe. I mean, I don't think that he – No. He just ruined the guy's race is yeah. all he did. Yeah. Well, actually, um, you know, he, he hurt in a few spots. I don't know. I mean, the 16 truck was going to finish in, just inside the top ten somewhere when he right. finished just outside the top ten there. But – uh, you know, the, the guy ended up getting a pretty decent finish out of it regardless. I think that there's a uh, – the first thing that happened and then the second thing that happened where Johnny turns the 16 truck going into one and then the 16 truck spins Johnny out, we need that. Like, we need that. I don't – you know, I don't promote wrecking guys and spinning guys out, but the drama, the the color, the – Boom. The excitement and the, the intrigue of all that, we need it. We don't mm-hmm. need to – we do not need to – try to divert guys from doing that or try to try we don't need to try to keep the drivers from acting out in between the flags now when the caution flag comes out i don't want to see a guy go and run over somebody under caution um but to your point we're, we're starting the show talking about it yeah so that's good that's what you're saying yeah. you know we're, we're talking about it I know. I, I want. I, I. We need more framing and bamming under the, you know in the race. We need more bumping. We need more aggressiveness. We need guys getting upset and you, you know losing their cool and making you know doing things like that. We need that. That's what the sport needs. Um, and it spilled over into, uh, you know Johnny doing it under caution. Now that's the part I think that they should have to try to divert people from doing. And yes. Not, you that's know, it. Yep. Yep. Johnny but, probably agrees afterwards of that too i think he would agree afterwards and probably would have handled it differently if if his truck wasn't you know a wreck he would have went up and got him during the race yeah yeah i think he thinks his race is over i'm gonna go end his yeah it was a case of road rage it was it it's not even a conspiracy it's a case of road rage he went and did what he did impulsively probably wishes he hadn't i I don't know him so i don't know if he wishes he hadn't I, i know that we through the fine, like you said, you're going to want him to wish he hadn't eventually. Right. And so you can deliver that by a fine, a good, a good fine. I agree. You don't think you mess with the points? Man, that's important. That, you know, you brought, points? I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it. Um, yeah, I, you could. Yeah. You could. You could take away his points for that race or something. Or yeah. I don't know well, he didn't it. get many. No. No, right. Uh, I don't think you mess listen, with his eligibility. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You bring up a good point because the points, man, that does you feel it. I remember when you Hell got yeah. dock points. Man, we haven't forgot. I haven't yeah. forgot it. I mean, like, in my mind, that cost us a championship, 2004. I was, it's yeah. Even after all this time for me, it's still certainly regrettable. And, and that was 25 points. And that's the worst part about it because we were in good shape uh, sitting there in the playoffs. Uh, had, had them covered. I mean, yeah. Well, we were in good shape. Yeah. And 25 points took the wind out of our sails. Yeah. Like, it was – you cannot afford to give up Points. One point, much less twenty-five yeah. in a situation like that. So I think that if you went for if if you want to leave an impression, you go after money and points. Johnny was parked in that race. In my mind, that's 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 points. That's enough as far as trying to take him off the racetrack any further. I wouldn't suspend him for a race. They did parking after that incident, and his truck was probably able to continue. So he had been removed from the racetrack. Um, so I would go after something that would make him think you know long and hard about it. 
doing it, doing that again, or any other driver for that matter, doing it again. That's right. You're delivering a message to the whole series. Yeah. I always felt like that the point, you know, the the penalties and and fines and stuff needed to be uh, stricter and tougher in in a lot of these situations. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Well, yeah, then you had the winner. Uh, I mean, the truck oh yeah, race. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the the winner, that non-winner. Sucked. So yeah. that, that's the first time that they've taken a win away from a, from a, yeah. somebody for being illegal. And it was a situation where it was a winner who was a popular winner. Ross, uh, Chastain. Ross Chastain has decided to go after truck points to try to get himself into the playoffs. He felt like his team, had they had won a race, but they weren't eligible because they weren't claiming truck points. So he's going to claim truck points, and with about eight races left in the season, he's got to win one and work himself into the top 20. And if he does that, he'll go into the playoffs, yeah. which he basically did. On Saturday, he won the race. He's about twenty more, twenty points out uh, from from the top twenty to be eligible to go into the playoffs. He would have got there uh, pretty easy over the next several weeks. Now he not only didn't get the win, uh, but he's also probably going to have a point penalty for for failing. Uh, so he's gonna he got last place points plus possible point penalty for failing that inspection post race. So what hole is he in now? A much more challenging situation. Not only does he have to win, but he has to over- overcome this deficit now that's grown larger uh man i mean just and it, it seems to be like the story of ross chastain's career yeah hurdles and hurdles and hurdles can't take a break can't he's just can't get a break yeah everything I just wish tech was everything I, I that wish seems tech was to before. be everything it is everything that they they take them before I, and but after. that's it um i don't think you could do that you'd open up a can of worms not taking cars post-race you got to have a tech tech inspection you got to have a process that that secures the winner he failed it uh, they won't. They'll you know they'll try harder next time not to do that. Well, they're going to appeal, but they'll also try yeah. not to be low next time at the end of the race, uh, much less anyone else. Now that this is setting a new precedent of hey, we will pull the pull the win. This is something incredibly um, unique. Uh, they they don't take wins away. Yeah. All right. And they started doing that this year. They said in off season, look, you're illegal. You're losing the win. We're going to take wins away. You're not going to find out about it on Tuesday or Wednesday. There's no encumbered wins. All that stuff's gone. So this is what everybody wanted, and now this is what we got. So we got to take it, uh, whether we love the winner, mm-hmm. or whether you know whether it's rules Ross Chastain yeah. or anybody else winning that race. If they fail, they fail. Um, it's what we asked for. We got what we, we we got what we wish for. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, and Ross has come on social media and and and, and quoted uh, after the race that he's is hell bent to. Get back to victory lane. It's only motivation for those guys. Feels good about his team. I think they can do it. I mean, I, I wouldn't count them out. Scott. And they're appealing it for what that's worth. I got yeah. a question. I've always wondered this. Anytime somebody has been found too low, okay, okay there's always that pocket of people that say, uh, well, that that may not have been intentional. You know, whether it's somebody, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Is, the, is there a chance – that it's not intentional, or when somebody is too low, is that an absolutely uh, a, a self-caused issue that you just really have no room for? Because I'm not exactly sure what they're going to appeal, what their argument is. But I just know that in general, when people are too low, you're like, oh well, he got out of the car and he stood on top of the car, and that made it too low. Or there's some other, you know, nine reason. Is that BS, or is is there a chance that that is what happened? Well, I don't think that it would be intentional. I don't think that they would set their truck up to get lower as the race went on. I think it's an issue where they were doing something in the suspension with a spring or a shock or a bump stop that failed them. That that it reached a you know it reached a situation to where it 
it didn't hold up to mm. the roughness of that. That's a very rough racetrack. That'll be the place where you're going to mistime or misjudge exactly how much uh, that truck's going to settle over a period yeah. of a race. Okay. And so I think it's a situation where maybe a, a spring failed them. Yeah, they, they, they said that there was damage caused during the race, yeah. not specifically a spring or something, uh, but Nice Motorsports did issue that statement. Yeah. And that's pretty standard by a yeah. team that was found too low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it basically, typically, like they'll put the springs and the shocks and the thing on the on the truck or the car, and 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 they're going to run it to the limit. They're going to run. Yep. They're going to put it in there where it's right on the verge, and they're going to hope that that stuff's going to hold up during the race, and it's not going to fail. It's not going to you know decrease in rate or anything like that, and settle the truck. And sometimes it does. Mm. Uh, I, I imagine there were quite a few trucks that didn't get teched that probably weren't going to meet minimum height. Um, it just so happened the winner was extremely low per NASCAR. Yeah. Um, and it's, lost that $50,000, If too. it's extremely low, like if it's more than just a couple thousandths or something like that, I would think that it's, some, it's, it's a mistake or a, or a part failure or a suspension failure. Um, a bump stop gave up or a spring gave up or something settled more than they intended it to or more than they expected it to. Um, and I don't know that that will get them out of trouble. I think if it's something that they, you know, I think if it's damaged, like te- like bent, something bent, suspension bent, like if the clip's bent or the, the, the front, you know, splitter valence or something's bent down, that's something that, you know, you can't, That's I think they could probably appeal and win that. But if it's a shock or an issue with a suspension part that uh, gave up a little bit that allowed that truck to settle more than normal, I think that that's going to, that, that's an appeal they'll lose. But if you're if you're Nice Motorsports or any of those guys or the driver Ross Chastain, you're hoping that it was physical damage to the nose of that truck that made it fail tight. That to me would be an arguable offense. Anything else, I don't know that they could win an, win an appeal with. So we'll just have to see. You would think though that if there was physical damage to the truck, that that would have been taken into consideration as they were sitting there trying to tech it at the end of the race. I know it went through techs a couple times trying to achieve height, and it couldn't. And so if there's physical damage visible right there in front of them, they could sit there and argue that with the officials and have that handled right then and there. We'll have to wait a couple, a day or two to figure this out. It's going to be expedited pretty quickly, this new appeal process. It's, it's, it's one and done. You don't go through several avenues of appeals. It's, uh, they'll learn this week what's going on with that. There's one thing they can't take away from him, and that's that watermelon smash. That yeah. was badass. <laughs> pretty, pretty sporty. <laughs> How does he get that watermelon so fast? I get they have I a bunch of them in the trailer. Yeah, and they just bring it right to So, it. so PR people have to bring hats. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, they got a second w- person bringing watermelon. No, no, yeah, the watermelon's <laughs> in the wind bag. Yeah. <laughs> and then they had Xfinity race was pretty good. Junior Motorsports had a pretty good, decent day. I was excited about that. Um, yeah. Man, we need a win, but I'll, you know. Last two races, though. We've All been getting better. Cars, top yeah. 10. That's been getting better. It's, it's it's getting tense here in the garage. You can feel it. Yeah. Yep. Damn Noah, though, was impressive to come back from that. Yeah, he did a good job. But that's That was great that they had that extra set of tires to be able to take advantage of everybody at the end. That was very good driving by Noah. I know he's uh, he's trying to get his first win in the Xfinity Series this year. Dominating performance. I mean, double zero is pretty good. I don't know if you could call it dominating, but uh, Christopher Bell pretty much uh, was a class of the field all day. Custer was decent. Yeah. yeah, those two cars were in a class by themselves. I think those two guys are the favorites for the yeah. championship, don't you yeah. think? Well, yeah. we got to talk about Reddick. But he, you never know. I mean, Reddick had a little yeah. trouble, and he's going to be awesome at Homestead. Oh yeah. So I think it's so. If you had to pick the four, who would it be? Who would be? Who would your four be in the Xfinity Series for the for the My championship? Four? Yeah, it would be Reddick, Bell, um, uh, Custer, and 
Justin Allgaier. I got you. That's my four. That'd be my four, too. I think where it sits right now. We all look, agree. Looking oh. at performance. Yeah. Looking at performance. That looks like the four. <laughs> Never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, um, we're coming up on Sonoma, which is the last race for Fox. That means that we are getting ready to go into the booth. You're going to go back to work. <laughs> Heck yeah. Oh, you got, yeah. You got your, what do they call that where they send that big the cardboard ship? boxes. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they call that something specific. I can't remember. I don't what remember it was. the name. This is a big letdown huh? anecdote that we just, I just, yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, what? This is, you know, so that, yeah, very what are you about? Big cardboard boxes come to the house and I'm going to put my sports coats in them and oh. uh, shift them out today. Oh. Yeah. Or got tomorrow. Some, got some new ones? No, I'm going to no. shift the same. I'm gonna, I'm like, I took pictures of all the stuff that I put up that I, you know, sent on the road last year. So it's like 10 shirts, eight jackets. 15 ties or something like that. I'm going to send about half of that stuff this year. I don't I didn't know. They had me wearing the same jacket over and over and over, I noticed. There was one jacket that was quite popular with their... Everybody they pick, noticed. Oh, they tell you what to wear? <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. pick. So when, Baker This is how it works. We, send, we ship them the clothes. The clothes travels in the NBC trucks from track to track. We get there, and uh, Baker, Michelle Baker, that handles all this stuff for us at NBC... So we'll text us a picture of the the morning of the race. Here's your here's your shirt and here's your tie and here's your jacket. Do you like it? I want that I for wanna, everyday life. Because I got to <laughs> put the pants on, right? So I got to pick the pant to go with it. Okay, gotcha. And I have three colors. I got these Wrangler pants that I wear. And I have, uh, yeah, well, I wear them Wranglers. Of course you do. Um, right, yeah, I don't wear anything else. I got black, tan, and gray. And so I got to figure out which pair of pants going to go with that combo that she picks out. Yeah, we last year I sent way too much because they kept using like the same two or three jackets every week, and they just put it with a different shirt and tie. Just get a get get like a chili stain on the jacket so they can't use it. No, it's time. a good jacket. I don't <laughs> mind. I don't mind. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send it on and and uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, Sonoma. That's right. You're yeah, go, you're going to, uh, oh, okay. to, to as a fan. Going as a that. fan. Watch nice. them, watch them hot dogs out there on that racetrack. <laughs> boy, what were you? We could eat some they, hot dogs while watching some hot dogs. Yeah, I'm gonna watch them <laughs> superstar NASCARs Race out there. Cars. To oh, NASCARs. pet peeve. I want. I, I mean, how much are you going to be slumming it? Are you gonna Are you going to be sitting it up in what? a suite or no. something? Or are you going to? I got it? tickets to the HMS suite. There you go. That's oh. so he ain't slumming. That's, no. I call my buddy Jake Backer, one of my best friends, yeah. works over at HMS. I said, hey, I'm going to the race. I need somewhere to stand. And uh, so he got me some sweet passes for them. But That'll be fun. Yeah. I'm going out there with Amy and a couple of her friends, and we're just going to go around Drink some the valley and do all that Yeah, for a couple of days, and then I'm going to go to the race. And then I'm going to Vegas uh, for Nationwide. Yep. I got a little deal with Nationwide out in Vegas, and we're also going to do a little promo. Yeah, cool. Can we talk about this? I don't uh, care. Yeah. yeah, yeah, let's talk about it. Tell go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, you. It's you. You're, you're, you're right. leaving Vegas to go to L.A. to do what? Uh, the Voice is on NBC. Oh, that's right. And so they're wanting me to do a couple of promos that sort of, com- you know, you think it's a Voice promo, but it's actually a NASCAR promo. Of course. Oh, dang, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, listen, NBC, uh, if if nothing else, the way they get Dale Jr. on those crossover uh, opportunities has been just awesome. I mean, you got to just uh, – just, I will always be grateful – for what they do and how they use Dell and this voice opera, he happened to be in Vegas. The voice, uh, the the producers wanted him to come out there, tape a few things with uh, Blake Shelton. Yeah, Ooh, uh, get some good uh, Brett stories from Blake. Yeah, there you go. It's your homework. I, look, and I got an hour to do. I doubt they're going to talk about <laughs> Brett Griffin. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> There's a better way to use that hour. <laughs> Before we bring in our special guest, let's talk about my relationship with Valvoline. 
It's a special relationship, Mike. Oh. Everything they've done with me has been on a custom and personal level. Mm. They're the only motor oil brand with a dedicated engine lab that makes them a great partner outside and under the hood. In 2014, they let me do a build of one of my all-time favorite car bodies, 1974, the year I was born, Chevy Cheyenne short bed truck. We took that baby out and raised hell. It was a lot of fun, thanks to Valvoline. We've had a good time working together. Not short on some funny moments. In 2016, they made me into a bobblehead mm-hmm. for their Pit Pals promotion. That was pretty cool. A lot of fun. Pretty funny. You know, only true friends do that for you, Mike. Only the best. Uh, but I tell you, no other motor oil brand goes that extra mile to build a relationship like Valvoline does, which is why I trust them in my engines, and you should too. From high-mileage rides that need that thick anti-wear film to new engines that have carbon buildup, check out Valvoline.com slash Dale to find the right product for your engine. That's Valvoline.com slash Dale. All right, now it's time to bring in our guest, Simon Pagino. Here he comes. All right. Oh, stop already. Sure. Look at this. That's awesome. We love free toys. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Open it up. Indy 500 Look at this. champion Simon Pagino is here. He has brought us a toy. <laughs> For All our right. table? I'm uh, hoping it'll be the brightest car you ever have. It, it is. <laughs> so this one will stick out. Everyone will see this one on TV. Check it out. So he even signed it for you. And it's a, yeah, it's a sign. Menards to Dale Jr. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we got to get somebody to open that thing up put it on this, the table I know, right yeah. Now. So let's get it open up. Here. Come on. Come on, Mike. Come on. Looks like you've never done these before. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't get gifts, and they certainly aren't signed. We don't have anything signed. In fact, they're usually the prototypes yeah. and the stuff that's not even. Re- well, he's legal. got his teammate. He's got his teammate, but he didn't bring it. It was post show. Yep. So thanks, Simon. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you have pretty been, cool to be here. Yeah, you have been busy. Yes. Yep. Yes. So born in 1984. I was born in 74. Age 35 years old, so that makes me 45. <laughs> Where, how do you pronounce uh, the, the town you're from? And uh, that's the tough one. Uh, Montmorillon. Wait, what? what? Can you say, do it? say again. <laughs> this say, face. <laughs> I love your face when I said that. How do you that. spell it? Um, so it's Montmorillon. 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 Yeah. That's You're pretty good. Doing French Very is good. And this is this is where you were born. Yes, that's where I was born. That's <coughs> tell, that's still where I have a house there. Still, you still have a yeah, house there. Yeah, I still there. go back to France there. See all my friends. Yeah, yeah. It's How my much hometown. time do you spend over there? About a, a good yeah four weeks four weeks a year. I go back for Christmas. Ah, yeah. so not a lot. It's okay. Yeah. Have you been life, back? Life is good. Have yeah. you been back recently? No, I'm actually going back. Uh, we're doing a, a French media tour out okay. of the oh, 500. Wow. So uh, we're going back in August. Which is a perfect time to go. What will the reception be like now that you've won the Indy 500 when you go back to Momoyo? Uh, <laughs> you know, what's really cool is when I won the championship, the, the, the city hall, which is small. It's a small town, 6,000 people, right? Okay. So, um, That's awesome. I can't go to many places where, without being noticed. Um, <laughs> so what they did is they, they did a reception. We had a, a show car. We had a trophy, and they did a reception. The whole town showed up, so I signed autograph. So you've been for back like home since. seven hours. Well, that was in '16 when I won the championship. Oh, yeah, yeah. So okay. I'm, I think this is going to get even, even bigger. And yeah. we're hoping we're going to do something on the Champs Elysees in Paris too. Yeah. Oh, still wow. working on the details. Wow, so that would be fun. neat. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, you're going to be you're a cult hero now. You go back at the <laughs> Indy 500. You're a professional milk drinker now. Yeah, be I fun. do that. I try to do that every morning now. Yeah. <laughs> you as don't a, do as that a before. No, nope. <laughs> it's a routine. Nope. Wear that so what? Mask. So everybody's. Oh, I mean, how? Is the milk cold? Yes. It is. Yes, it is. I was surprised. 
I've heard bad stories about it. Like, but uh, well, like it was hot, hot, hot milk. milk yeah. It was yeah. gonna smell bad. They would give the winner hot care. milk. That's so that's so cruel. <laughs> no, but that one was cold and it was so good. Was it? Yeah, <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually on the hunt to try to get that exact same milk. <laughs> All the brand, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who's ever asked that question? What brand of milk is this? Two percent, one percent, whole milk, when, skim milk? What is this? No, that was the um. So when I was uh, when I had the chance to go to sort of experience everything about the Indy Five Hundred over the past uh, several weeks when I was there, I learned that the drivers fill out like a rider. Yeah. Uh, you know, before the before, well, like way before the race. Yeah, know? it's like uh, before the month even start, they send us an email and they ask, "Hey, what kind of milk do you want?" No, are you yeah, serious, yeah. Mike? You didn't know that? Yeah. What? what? No. <laughs> yeah. Every driver gets to decide, and yeah. there's only like it's two percent whole milk. There's uh, you can ask whatever you want, any kind. Yeah. Well, so what I did guess, you ask for? I asked for whole milk. All right. whole, I wanted the whole experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not going to throw a skim milk at no, Simon. I don't want a 2% experience. No, no. no. <laughs> you want the whole smash. Yeah. Good for you. That's the, the, whole coolest, the cool thing about Indy, that Indy 500, is the um, traditions. You know, yeah. the, every, There's so much pageantry and tradition in that whole experience. Um, and you're the, So we have Speed Weeks in Daytona, and yep. it's, it's about 10 days or so. Uh, where you're down there, I couldn't imagine being there for an entire month. Yeah, right? it's 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 okay. I love being at the racetrack. I'm sure you do too. Right. Um, I just honestly, and it's such a great atmosphere there in Indy. Uh, that track, you know, it holds something special. You've been there. It's really strange at night when everything calms down. It's so quiet. It's 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 actually super nice. I love to walk my dog at night. Yeah, we go and walk around the racetrack. Your dog's famous. He's, Norman. Yeah, yeah, Norman. I That's right. Him. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have his own uh, uh, social media account? Heck yeah, man. Oh, you follow man. me, or you only follow him? Uh, I might as well. A lot of people do that. Very, very pro dog over there. That's but, great. Uh, I was hoping he would join us today. Yeah, I thought about it, but then I, I, I he could have sat, sat right yeah, here. Yeah, he could have sat with me the whole yeah, time. I was like, what am I going to do with him for an hour? Um, <laughs> you know, he's going to start <laughs> this dog playing friendly. around. This he, is dog friendly. Is place. it? Oh yeah, yeah. Man, no idea. Plenty of places, places to pee. <laughs> I think Fridays at Junior Motorsports is bring your dog to yes. our base. It is. Come in here and there'll be dogs everywhere next year. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But so you were walking. We interrupted you with yeah. the dog. But you were walking around the track. I just, I just, I just love being at the track. So it really doesn't matter to me. I think it would matter more if it was, you know, at a place lost in the middle of nowhere like Iowa. Uh, but <laughs> you ain't going to Iowa for a month. Is no, what you're I saying. would not. Uh, but Indy, I don't mind. So um, uh, yeah, it's just you know we have the Grand Prix. The cool thing is they've really done a whole month of activities. You know we have a. Uh, they've made a, a party that's called the Indie Rev Party, and they basically have anyone from anywhere can come and just have a really good time with the drivers. Um, they cook. Um, they basically there's chef coming, and they pair up with a driver. You make your meals, and it's a big party, and people show up, and you just hang out with the drivers. So that's the first weekend of May. Then you have the Grand Prix, which is yep. you know obviously it's cool to, for for people to see what an IndyCar can do. The Grand mm-hmm. Prix track, and then the Indianapolis 500, and then. On the Tuesday, we switch the cars over to uh, to go on the speedway. So, you know, it's 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 fine because I think we have so much diversity that it's not boring. Man, I mean, two different races. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing that they turn over the track that quickly. Is to be yeah, honest, it's with amazing. You. Yeah, overnight you know, from a road course to the oval. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, have you ever been into the creek to dig out a brick? No, not yet. You're gonna do that? 
Well, have you heard? Actually, you've been in that creek, but that had. was by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Was it well, a golf I want to hear this story. Golf it's a dog, or a race it's car a, that it's you It's a were... dog story, yeah. Um, well, we got time. I, I was fostering a dog, um, uh, Afflepuff, we called him at the time. We called her at the time. And uh, she just took off for the geese. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, was, she was just a pup. So, you know, I was fostering. So when I saw her took off, I got really worried. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be that guy. I yeah. lost the dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she ended up close the creek. I slid off, ended up in the creek with my slacks on, my Penske gears on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't does, pretty. What, what is the Penske dress code for? Uh, no, no. When, when you have to go into the creek, though, is what I'm saying. Is um, it, like, does Roger say something like, uh, Simon, go, go, go change your clothes. <laughs> you can't come back to the <laughs> You can't meet my sponsors <laughs> like this way. Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> I had to uh, pressure wash myself afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's where Snap-on comes on handy. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Dale Jr. ended up in the creek. He went looking for bricks. Yeah. I don't know if you saw. You You, did? you, you were busy. Did, he was yeah. doing pre-race features. But yeah, he, I he, found he, one. You he, did? Yeah. Nice. So um, yeah, I'd heard about. Uh, you know, we've been going there with NASCAR for a couple several years, and I'd heard about guys going in the creek and finding bricks. And every you know, everybody's got a brick, and I didn't. I'd never done it. So we, uh, you know, I gotta do it. You gotta do it, man. I gotta do it. And I'm gonna give you a little it's a good bit, story. I'll give you a little bit of advice. I went with Rutledge Wood, who I was working with at NBC, and he said, man, I've, I've dug one out of there. We'll have one in 15 minutes. And we got <laughs> over there, and I, I, I foolishly, I thought I'd walk over there and there'd be bricks laying in the creek bed. You can see the, you can see the bottom. It's pretty clear water. And I thought, you know, obviously. So it must be a different creek where I slid off, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Because so it wasn't clear. Yeah, it wasn't clear. <laughs> no. <laughs> but you don't, you don't, there's not bricks laying around. you got to dig down in there. And about 10, 12 inches under the surface of the bottom of the creek. And they're in pockets, like they must have walked over there with wheelbarrows and dumped them in in little piles. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you'll go a while and not see any brick or any kind of fragment or anything. Then you'll walk into like a little pile where there's all kinds of fragments and half broke bricks, and you got to dig down right there, and you're gonna find a whole one. Nice. Yeah. And they're I'm they have the, gonna do it. They have the lettering on them and everything, and even some of them you can see where they were a surface brick where they you know they got, got rubber out. and wore out. Yeah. Oh, that's it's, cool. It's pretty. It's really really cool. I'm mean, in history, and no other racetrack in my mind has the kind of history that that Indy has. Yeah. You know, um, I find it. You know, '09 is when they built the track. The wildest part of its history for me is in World War II when uh, they banned auto racing and the people basically just deserted the racetrack. And there's these pictures of the track with trees and big, big bushes and weeds growing up through the uh, through the cracks and through in between the bricks on the surface of the track. Yeah. In World War One, they had to, they used it as an air uh, air base to be able to land and take off from. I didn't know that. Yeah, from the because wow. they could land the planes on the straightaways. Wow. And they could house the planes there and everything. And then um, <clears throat> that's amazing. Yeah. Right. In 04 they just closed it and left it for dead. Really, the guy that owned the property was going to sell the track, and they were going to develop housing. How you know have a housing housing development on wow. that property? And somebody came in near the last minute to save the track and buy it and and bring wow. racing back. That's amazing. It, cool story. We're yeah. close to uh, to, to racing. I had no idea. Housing development. Almost, <laughs> it almost, you know, was disappeared. Ha- right. Wow. It's yeah. crazy. So um, it's funny you say that. I, um, if I may. Um, yeah. I um, when I grew up, I raced in Europe, right? And I went to uh, Monza. First oh, time I ever went to right. Monza, which over there is the Temple of Speed. Um, and I, I went on a on a run on my own, and it's in a park. It's beautiful. I've, I don't know if you've ever been Never to Monza. Never been. It's, it's in beautiful. A, it's in a park, and everybody walks in the park. Every, mm-hmm. you know, they just jogs, and it's really cool. And in the middle of it, 
you have the racetrack, the, the racetrack that you see on TV now, but there's still the, um, the oval. Yeah. The oval is so banked that you can't actually physically go up Ooh. to the top. Yeah. And uh, it's just like that. It's deserted, but it's, uh, it's got so much. It's so cool to see because it it's got so much history. Yeah, that I re, uh, you know, I've played a lot of video games, and uh, <laughs> they, and Monza's like Monza's one of the most you know famous racetracks in the world, and uh, Matthew is a ghost track. We call them ghost tracks. The ghost old, tracks. you know, where, speedways. Man, yeah. I'm geeked up on that. Stuff. He is into that. I am as well. But um, I want to go visit that someday. So Monza bad. would be awesome. It's good to, to see. see. Uh, so you raced. You talked about you raced over, uh, obviously in France where you were born. Um, at what point in your career did you were you ever wanting to be over in the United States racing, or how did your how did is that something you were looking out there in front of you, going, man, this is where I want to be? Was it F one? Like, what was your when you started driving? Like, what was your what was your goal? So to backtrack a little bit, my you know I'm not from a racing family. Nobody in right. my family you was racing. You started really late. Yeah, well, I, no, I started early go kart. Okay, but then yeah, I went into cars pretty late. But um, the thing is, is I had no idea. I I didn't know which way I had to take. I had nobody to tell me that's what you need to do. This is the direction you need to take. Let me con- let me contact this person to help you out. I had to do it all on my own at a young age. So it was complicated. It was very complicated to have. Um, a vision of the sport, right. if you per se, because I didn't know the industry. So then, um, you know, I had to grow up pretty quick. <laughs> I started racing, I was eight when I started go-karting. Um, you know, I my first race was a complete disaster in the wet. Yeah? Oh, yeah. But that race, it's still inside me. It still drives me because it was so hard. And I hit the wall so many times. <laughs> and I had to push my go-kart myself at, at 10 years old to get it started because it didn't have a clutch back then. That It was such a grueling race that it actually marked me forever. Um, and, and sometimes when I need it, I just dig inside and find, find the energy. Um, so I started there. And then, you know, I used to watch Formula One. I used to watch Indianapolis. I, used, I remember Rick Mears. You know, I remember Mario Andretti. I remember all the big names. Um, and to me, Indianapolis was equal to Formula One. Okay. It's always been in my head. Um, obviously, Europe, we watch more Formula One because it's just more convenient with times and, you know, we don't have time change. So it's more convenient. But Indianapolis to me was big and Nigel Mantle came to IndyCar in 92. And when he came to, to IndyCar, I was six years old. And that's when my passion really started for mm. the sport. Um, so then I thought, I really thought, man, it's either IndyCar or Formula One for me. I mean, it's equal. Uh, but man, it was an, a complete unrealistic dream. There was no way I was going to get there. I mean, I was six years old. Not, not from a racing not family. Not from racing. So there was right. no way. My, my family was in supermarket business for generation. So I was meant to take over and, and run the business. Um, so then when I told my, my dad and my grandpa, that's what I wanted to do, they said, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, they said, yeah, sure. And then uh, my dad took um, responsibility. At, there's a, a track that was built not far from, from my home, about 20 minutes. What was it? Uh, it's called Circuit du Val de Vienne. Yeah, good oh, luck say, with that. Say that <laughs> <laughs> good Another luck one. with that. What kind of? It's a go kart track. No, it's actually a, a full on okay. road course track. Right. Beautiful track. I mean, it, it, to this day, we could have an IndyCar race. Really? Ooh. Oh yeah, it's 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 beautiful, and they've done a great job. So my dad was in charge of the financial. He was the the, the CFO basically for for years. And because of that, I had a, a a door open. Okay, so he was the CFO of that racetrack. Yes. Okay. He became, he became that. Yeah. I got out it. Out of out of 
whatever. He was good at that. So, but was he that before you, <clears throat> before you became passionate about racing? Was he doing that? No. So he got into it sort of because you were now in racing. Is that what? Is that no, fair to say? It was, he liked he liked driving he liked cars. Okay. So uh, so on the weekend they would go to that track with his friends and do track days with uh, little hatchbacks. Oh, cool. okay. Yeah. And um, and then the opportunity for him came to take over the the financial, um, and because of that, when he was going to meetings, I would go with him because I loved the racetrack, and and I would be allowed to drive the car on the track mm. at, at <laughs> ten, twelve years old because I could drive a car at ten, uh. which I'm sure you did the same on. Yeah, maybe not legally. <laughs> not legally <laughs> in the woods. I said in the field. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so that's how I got going really, and then uh, one day. Um, my mom was was helping me out a lot, and my dad was more like the pragmatic guy, not not wanting anything to do with racing. Um, so my mom got me with one of the team owner at the racetrack and said, "Can you just have him test one of your cars, see how good he is?" And the guy said, "He's amazing." Really? Yeah. <laughs> you were that good? Well, I, I yeah, I guess. Wow! It was like out of nowhere because I had no experience in cars. Um, and then they basically, because of uh, the team owner, uh, basically put me into a. Uh, um, a driving selection. It was, it was a driving selection selection sponsored by Elf, the fuel company, yeah. and the winner would gain, it would make uh, money out of it and go racing in uh, Formula Renault. Oh, right on! And, and, I won. and that's where you went. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where you went. Won, yeah. Formula, yep. And I was sixteen. And yeah. then when you got there, um, I mean, because this is pretty fascinating that you that first race in go kart still sticks with you and yeah. motivates you. Even, yeah, right. Absolutely. It was that bad. It was really bad. <laughs> you hit the it wall that many times. Oh man, every corners. It was horrible. Every and corner. Yeah, people were making fun of me. I remember, but that's what you know. That's what made me who I am today. Because it was, um, you know, it was humiliating. It was, but I wanted to do it so bad, and that's what gave me that that drive and that never give up attitude. That even if I'm tenth, I'm gonna try to get ninth on the last lap. You know, mm. I'm always gonna be like that. Yeah because of that moment but uh we, yeah i we start i started um we started in uh go-karts in when i was 12 and my dad hated it like he did the first race that i ran i flipped and it threw me out of the cart i'm what it was a big deal to him he didn't like the fact that you could get slung out of it and didn't have seat belts and roll cages yeah. he just always and eventually they just quit taking me you know, and I I ended up um, getting into street stocks yeah. at 15, and I couldn't never humiliate myself badly in street stocks because when you crashed, it was usually about 10 of you crashing. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> if I'm going down, I'm taking half the with mighty, me. So, we, I mean, there's some <laughs> big crashes in the street stocks. But um, so you, um, how long did you race over in Europe before you got your opportunity in Champ Car? Yeah, I guess I never really answered your question, the original yeah. question. Um, well, I came here it was 22. Um, and that's when I really. So how does that happen? Like you, you yeah. know, Obviously, you started racing in, in the Formula Renault in yeah. uh, 2002, 2003. You're in Champ Car by 2007. Yeah. Champ Car Atlantic in 2006. So you in four years. Yeah. What happened is, is at the time that's and that's why I didn't answer the question. Is you know it was Formula One going this way. Right. There was uh, IndyCar going this way and sports cars. Those were my three options. There were opportunities in Japan as well. Um, because I tried to, not being from racing, I had to be really open-minded. I just wanted to be a race car driver. I didn't care what the car was at the time. Yeah. I just wanted to make it. And then I figured that once I would make it, I would work hard to try to make it to where I wanted to be. Um, but because I had to go through all these steps uh, first to just make it, because I couldn't find sponsors, couldn't find enough partners to, to stay in the sport forever without making money. So I had to make money at first. And 
um, I looked at the the opportunities. I looked at the the field and. Um, Chemka Atlantic offered $2 million for the winner uh, of that championship in 2006. And uh, it was a brand new, se- it was a new series, a uh, new car. It was everything that was, it was looking good for me to come in and try. Um, on the other side, I had GP2 in Europe, which was very expensive and no purse at the end. Well, that makes that decision you know, easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no guarantee whatsoever. Uh, the sports cars, which most possible, but I had to bring sponsors and I wasn't sure I was going to make it. So I told my dad, I said, listen, let me try this. I'm going to go to the U.S. for one year. Please help me out. Uh, I'll find some partners, I'll find sponsors. I might need some help from you, but um, give me one more year. And if it doesn't work out, I quit. Yeah. I'll do wow, something else. Wow. So and, that's uh, yeah, that was that's 2006. Yeah. And then you go off and you win it. Yeah. If you don't win that championship. I'm done with racing. Yeah. Completely done. Even if you're in second in the championship points. I told my dad I promised him something. He helped me out. You know, I respect um, all the effort that he he made for me. And uh, it was time. It was time to call it um, either it was going to work. I think you have to be realistic about how good you are at some point. You know, Uh, if I didn't win, then I was probably not good enough to make it anyways. Uh, g- give me an idea then. I, I want to understand the uh, the pressure then you were dealing with. I mean, uh, more so. How many races is this? Give me an idea what yeah, the well, series it was, is it like. It was a full championship, so 15 races. 15 races. Yep. Okay. And man. and where would you race? Uh, well, it's it was actually, it's like it was in Delight, basically, at the yeah. time. It was in Delight. The, okay. the Champ Car okay. Championship. Follow the series. So, yeah. Um, it was, the, I've, I've actually, because I won Indy, some videos come out of that time. And I look at myself, man, I was white. I was pale. I was skinny. I, it was one of my worst year because I was so stressed out. Yeah, yeah so stressed out. It was taking that, a toll on you. Yeah. I think mm. that's what you do when you turn around 35. You're going to do that a lot, look back at pictures and go, man, I was skinny. <laughs> <laughs> so you, what team were you driving for in, in, at that time? Um, actually, I was with uh, Team Australia, yeah. uh, oh. Walker Racing. Yeah, I was yeah. actually. Will was power was in uh, in the Champ Car, and I came to the in, to the Champ Car Atlantic. So that's how we got uh, really to know each other. And so yeah. you win the championship. Is that an automatic uh, promotion into the in the Champ Car? It was, yeah. So I won the two million dollar purse, which went straight to the race team. Obviously, I didn't touch any of that, <laughs> <laughs> but it looked good. And then uh, we started racing with with Walker Racing, yeah. alongside Will. So your team moved up. They were already in Champ Car. Yeah, but yeah. did your did you, did the team that you were working with go no, up I with j- you? No, I moved up to the to the big team. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. yeah, they were waiting on yeah. you. But then, okay, so then you get the Champ Car, but then the series yeah. folds after. I mean, the, the that's one, one so, thing after story another. of my life, man. That wow. is story of my life. That's that's what happened my whole career. Okay, so what was going up through your mind down. then? Um, and yeah. Then, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, t- tell me through, how did 2007 go for you uh, performance-wise, and then also with the, uh, you know, with the series folding. Well, 2007 was uh, was a big jump because the Champ cars they had at the time that 850 horsepower. I was jumping from a car that had 350 horsepower. That's so a, it was, that's it was a, a big jump. jump. That's a jump. <laughs> it was fast and it was tough to drive, and there were good competition. Um, so we did okay. I mean, we finished eighth in the championship, which which was okay. It wasn't fantastic, but all right. Um, and then the championship uh, just fell, fall, folded mm-hmm. in the end. So I had nothing. I really did, didn't. Uh, IndyCar, you know, it merged with IndyCar, mm-hmm. and I knew nobody on the IndyCar side, mm. uh, which obviously was a mistake. Um, and, um, well, I, I waited for, I mean, I didn't, I didn't wait, but I worked on another opportunity, which was at the time sports cars, because mm-hmm. I thought I was done again. So I thought I got I to gotta find a way to rebuild. So I went to sports car racing with Gilles Deferrin. How did that work out? Very well. Yeah. yeah, that's what. That's really what made my career take off again. 
Um, I drove for Acura in the sports car and I learned so much, man. I mean, on the technical side of things, I've never learned so much. Gilles was, first of all, he was an engineer. So he was very technical, very open-minded about how to set a car up, how to work on the engine, how to work on the traction control. We had traction control back then, how to work on all the settings. We did tire um, tire development with Michelin, um, aero development. I was completely involved with all that because the goal was for me to to grow with the team. So uh, I learned a lot and that allowed me to go to the 24 Hours of Le Mans next with, with Peugeot, who was a French team. Uh, we had a diesel engine in that car, V12 diesel, uh, about 900 horsepower. And uh, we finished second in Le Mans with, um, with them. So that's when my career really took off and, and I got recognized. How many times did you run Le Mans? Uh, from 2008 till 2012. Yeah. Yeah. You think you'll run it again? I would love to. I'd love to, especially now, winning What's, Indy. What? Uh, I, I'd like to... I finished second, so, I mean, I'd like to finish it. What's the commitment to running that race? Well, if you want to do it right, you've got to be... First of all, you need to be in the top team. And the top team will require that you are uh, present testing every two weeks in France to... Um, you know, because they have test tracks there to just do simulation of races. We used to do that with Peugeot. We used to do 35-hour simulations. Uh, you would show up, and it would just ask you to drive. You wouldn't do any setup change. You would just drive for 30, I mean, obviously, three hours at a time, but you would share the car with other drivers. And it was sometimes they would activate the raining system, the sprinklers on the track, and <laughs> it was awesome. Wow. It That's really was hysterical. Awesome. Yeah, they tried to simulate everything. Yeah, everything That's we did cool. a pace car. Uh, you know, you would ride behind the pace car. You'd <laughs> drive at night, hit hit some deer sometime. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some bad experience. Release the deer. Let's <laughs> give him the deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you Let's know see what? how they handle this one. <laughs> you know what's cool about that? Though you say that, but you know, we even came up with a system. We had like those. Um, whistler on the car at mm -hmm. night they put whistles yeah on the car so the deer would know that we're on the track and oh wow really? yeah, yeah yeah that's pretty cool because we yeah, yeah. <laughs> never heard that yeah. oh my goodness i wonder what that sounds like i have yeah it's like like a weird <laughs> sound <laughs> how is that gonna wake up a deer uh, yeah. Jeez. Well, they're, uh, they're, reminds, they're like dogs man that, oh, reminds, really? yeah. that reminds me of last night man i uh <laughs> was about to go to bed and all of a sudden, I hear this thing screaming, and I thought I thought it was a baby in my in my driveway. I'm like, what the hell, a baby in my driveway? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? And uh, <laughs> I go outside, you know, a bit a bit freaked out. And there's um, there's a bunch of fox yeah. outside. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've never heard a fox scream. It's the scariest thing. Was it? What was were they doing? <laughs> Screaming. Just yeah. sitting in your driveway hot. Probably mating or Raising something. Hell? Yeah. They get <laughs> Raising hell. <laughs> Raising hell or mating? We go fox party out in uh, Simon's driveway. What does the fox say? It brings up the <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's nice. That's nice. You know, when you did the, uh, if I may divert back from foxes to, to racing, um, <laughs> the, when, you, when you did the 24-hour uh, races. You did it twice, right? Back in 2000. Uh, yes. Okay, at Daytona. You did it with did Corvette, you? right? Was it I Corvette? did. Corvette, did. no one, and then with um, Crawford in yep. 04. With yep. how, Stewart. how much preparation did you do for that and testing? We had uh, we would go, We had the test at the track okay. uh, like a month before the race, and you might get, I don't know, four hours in the car total. Not okay. a lot. You know, in, in, my, in my, it's changed now. Back then, uh, the cars were so fragile that when you would start to race, you knew that you were never going to run over about 80% of your potential. And it was all about just getting the laps run and getting the car back to the pits to hand it to the next driver. The cars today are bulletproof, and they qualify every lap. Every, like lap. every lap they run <laughs> in the 24 hours of Daytona. We were there covering the race this year. It's and nuts. I'm sure it's similar to, in Le Mans. They run 
qualifying laps. Damn. Every lap. Yeah. It is – it's every driver's going 110% all the time. Just because the cars are better? Yeah. Because the cars can handle, handle, handle it. Handle it. Yeah. And and the drivers are, are obviously Super amazing. Yeah. And um, so you're watching these guys just put down some incredible laps. Now, when we raced, it was just, hey, man, don't go out there and destroy this thing. Go out, don't break <laughs> anything. Just bring it back to us in one piece. <laughs> and, um, you know, because we were, me and Dad, we were generally going to be a couple tenths uh, slower than the, than the road course guys. And everybody knew that going in. And it was all just about trying to just enjoy the experience. But I, so going to run that race today, it, it doesn't even, like, I don't even qualify. Right? I don't – I'm not. You wouldn't do it. Uh. Uh-uh. You wouldn't. I would re- maybe run in a lower class or something like that with but Corvette you, or something. I think you'd be fine. God dang, man, they're so fast. They are fast, and the drivers are amazing. That's I what did. I mean. That's I what dropped I'm the talking. Corvette too yeah. uh, back in '15. Hey, man, <laughs> the talent of these guys driving right. those cars because they're quite different to I'm sure what you drove and and very different to an Indy car. And I, I was having issues dealing with the weight of the car and mm. the movement. And these guys were so fast and nonstop fast. I mean, it's, crazy. Who it, is the most badass right now at that? Like, like in GT? Yeah. I mean, there, there's plenty of them. They're just they're all within they're half, all a, half a tenth. Yeah. It's crazy. They're all pros. But I, I like Anthony, Antonio Garcia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Corvette, mm-hmm. the Corvette team. He's pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple guys that I'd never heard of when I went to the 24 Hours of Daytona that were just not crazy fast, but. It's changed so much. You can't – I tried to make that argument when I was there. They were like, man, you should run this race again. I'm like, it ain't that easy. No. Like, you can't just go and jump in a car in any form of motorsport because the cars are more – over the last probably 10 or 20 years, the cars – and I'm talking whether it's World of Outlaw, NASCAR, sports car, IndyCar, F1, whatever it is, the cars are so bulletproof and so tough – and the drivers that run that series every single week are so good mm. that you can't just jump in something and be competitive or expect to be competitive. And if you are, um, you know, it's amazing and it says a lot about your talent, but people just think you can just go, go, just go, just go driver. Yeah. You know, just go run. Yeah, but that's what makes crossing platforms yeah. so difficult these days. Like, it's, it's really hard. Like, you asked me about Le Mans. I mean, I'd lo- love to go back, but I'd like to be ready. Right. You know, you I want to be in a good car and I want to be giving the team 100%. I don't want to show up and be at 95 because right. I'd be the weak link. Exactly. I hate that. Yeah, you me know? too. It's horrible. Yeah. When, you, when you don't feel like you're doing your best, it's, it's just not good. Yeah. That was the part about it when we were when me and Dad were running. We In the dry, we were not going to be as fast as our as our co-drivers and our teammates. But when it rained now, it kind of neutralized the, the whole yeah. field for us. And me and Dad would run uh, very comparable laps to our teammates. Um do you? How do you feel about your ability in the wet? I, I love the wet. Yeah. yeah, it's my favorite. What is it about racing in the rain that you enjoy? Um, I think it's the, the the fact that you have to be uh, curious. You have to be searching for new lines. Mm-hmm. You have to be always experimenting. A little bit like when you run dirt. You know, you, you you need to find that spot on the track that has more grip because there's no rubber. Um, you know, you need to find. Uh, different, yeah, different line, a different flow, I would say. Um, yeah. And you need to understand the tire. <clears throat> a lot of the time, since you don't run much in the rain, you don't know what the tires are good good for. So is it braking? Is it lateral? Um, and I love I love having to search. I, 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 you know, I love driving in dry, but it's repetitive. 
Right. But in the wet, it's never repetitive. And the track changes every lap. So you have to always be on your toes. I, love, I agree I with that. that. That's what I loved about racing in the rain is the track always changing yep. and you needing to find wet. Even like on the straightaways, getting in the wet and cooling yep. the tires down and doing stuff like that. A lot of For whatever reason, you know, it feels like as a driver, you got an advantage or you got you can do it better than the next guy or you know, yeah. like you say, it in, you know, in the dry, it's all repetitive. There's the groove. That's where you run. <laughs> yeah, You're, I would have lost that bet. I would have thought you did not like. I drive, loved it driving it, in the rain. Well, that was NASCAR the, guys don't like rain. I loved it. I never got to do it in our stock cars, but when when it started raining, I I could run lap times with Andy, uh, my teammate, my car, my co-owner, and, and our uh, teammate car with Ron Fellows. I could compare with those guys in speed. Huh. That's but good. when it was dry, they were That's always three tenths faster. <laughs> really? Yeah. Mm. I just I don't know. I think when it rained, they calmed down and they just they just they just drove they they backed off what they probably could run mm-hmm. because of the danger. Yeah. And I didn't know any better. Yeah. And I'd run as hard as I could limit, in the rain. Yeah. 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 I'd run as hard as I could in the rain. <laughs> hey, now I spun off point. into the grass a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there's nothing more enjoyable for me than watching the NASCAR. Uh, uh, guys, and usually the Xfinity series. Race in the rain? No, race in the rain. rain. Oh, no, yeah. race in the rain. It is. And mid Ohio. It is a show left. from the beginning. I love it. It's <laughs> fun to I watch. Never, I hate I never got to try it in our stock cars because I always loved it in. Because in, uh, it rained like hell in both those Daytona 24 hour races I ran in. I mean, hydroplaning. It was bad. Right. <laughs> but um, you ended up uh, running in sports car for a couple years. Uh, how do you get back into any car? So that's where I got a bit lucky because I was driving for Acura, right? right. And at the time, uh, IndyCar changed. They had this new car come in in 2012. Uh, they had Chevrolet and Honda now becoming, um, you know, the two manufacturer going for uh, going for the win. So now we had competition on the engine side, and that's when things changed for me. That's when I had an opportunity because how did that happen? Well, I was developing the sports cars with Acura and Honda, okay. so. All of a sudden, I had leverage. I could say, hey, I want to go to IndyCar, and I've helped you do all that, all this development. Could you put me in an IndyCar, and I'll do the same, and I'll be completely transparent on everything, and I'll be your development driver. (laughs) Which at the time sounded, you know, obviously like a driver would say it himself, right? But but they had interest uh, at Honda. Um, They really did. And I was very well um, connected with uh, with um, with with the president there at, at Honda, and um, and they helped me. They put um, they put everything they could together to have me uh, drive for Sam Schmidt. Sam Schmidt also put all the money together to make it happen for me, and he offered uh, a great contract, so I took it. You must be uh, a hell of a salesman. Are you? Because my dad was everything I'm hearing about you. (laughs) (laughs) My dad was in the business, so you know. And and you had a business background, yes. And and so you didn't have anything handed to you. You had to go basically earn whatever you had. So you were able to sell yourself pretty well. Yes, I. That's that's definitely uh, something I can do. (laughs) Because you you, you tell the story and you're like, uh, "Let me be your driver," and they're like, "Okay." (laughs) I mean, that doesn't usually happen that way. Yeah, it took me longer than that to make happen, but uh, a lot of phone calls. You know, you have to be. Uh, relentless sometimes and I was so you know I just wanted so bad that I was going to call you every day if need be (laughs) right on we're going to take a quick break here Uh, I want to tell you guys about something really important to me it's my ancestry Uh, we talked about it several times on the show I've spent years uh, going through my genealogy my family came from Germany through Philadelphia and down to Salisbury North Carolina a lot of my genealogy work has been done using ancestry and I still use them today to learn more about my story 
Um, I'm all the time getting hints on different individuals and people. Just this past week, I was working on it, and I uh, got like 50 hints to go through and sort of see whether that stuff's connected to my family or not. But it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a game. Yeah, you get those um, little green leaves. There's no end. <laughs> all right. Ancestry's unique features and record collections give you more complete pictures of people from your past, like the events that shaped them, how they made a living, and how long they've been attending school and so forth. Amplify your results, though, by starting a free trial in Ancestry and building a tree so your ancestry has become more than just a name. And I have uh, my DNA kit mm-hmm. sent in. That's, a, that's something that you can link to your tree to give you sort of this three-dimensional view of your family. I can't wait for those results to come in. Got a couple more weeks before they finish that up. Uh, pairing that with the tree that I built over the last several years will just enhance my experience uh, on Ancestry, and everybody should try it. It's easy to get started. Go to Ancestry.com slash Dale Jr. today for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. That's Ancestry.com slash Dale Jr. for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash Dale Jr. So mm-hmm. how did you? So you you got back in the IndyCar series. You ran from 2011 to present. You won a championship in 2016. When did you start driving for Penske? Uh, 2015. Yeah, yeah. And what was that transition like? I mean, when I and I asked that question because in in NASCAR and I think it's probably similar in 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 IndyCar, the companies and the teams have a presence and they have a personality and an attitude. And Penske's is definitely they all their drivers are expected to to appear a certain way, yeah, to, to handle themselves a certain way. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how was that transition for you to work for Penske? Well, so my dream was always to drive for Roger. I've always... Really? Yeah, I always wanted... Well, I remember, you know, from what I said earlier, watching me as on TV with the, the Marlboro Penske car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, this is the team you got to be with. That's the team that wins all the time, right? So in my head, since I was a kid, I, I learned really quickly that you have to be with the best team. Because we're all very talented, but you know, if you want to win, you've got to have the best car. So, um, so that was my goal from the beginning. So I wore a black slack even when I was driving for ah, Sam Schmidt. Yeah, wow. And I shaved every day, even though I was driving for Sam Schmidt. Yep. <laughs> that's a, that's a dress for the job you want. Well, yeah, not the job you have. And that's you right. know, I always think that you have to put you are, you have to put what you think into the universe. And I mm. I was thinking so much about going there that it transpired. I think. Um, and then um, law of attraction. My wife believes in that. I believe in that big yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, quickly uh, we got in touch with with Penske. Obviously, Gilles Deferrin, who I drove for in in sports cars, used to drive for Roger, um, and told them, told Cindric and and Roger pretty quickly uh, you need to look at this guy. Um, so when I started winning in uh, in IndyCar, we started talking. So that was your championship season in 2016. Was that the greatest day of your career when you win the championship? The whole year was amazing. We yeah. just dominated. Uh, the car suited me perfect. Everything worked our way. Uh, you know, it was everything you was talk about the car suiting you perfectly. Explain that. Well, we had um, the balance of the car all year long was just perfect for my style. So I'm I'm a late breaker, and most of the time when you break late, the front tires don't work enough in the middle, right? Um, so there was a lot of downforce on these cars. And because of that, the front tires were always working. So I was able to keep a very good rear end on the car and, and with the downforce, make the front work really well. So I was never in difficulty with the car. I was always able to do whatever I wanted uh, easily. Yeah. Um, so that's why it was such a good year. Now the cars are different. Now the cars are much different. So I, have, I had to adapt quite a bit because, you know, I'm still a leg breaker and it's still my style and it's difficult to get away from your style. Um, but I've had to adjust because now the car turns on throttle. 
Um, and mm. I'm not used to that. And that's not something I've ever been good at. So now I'm having to, you know, break late, but get back to throttle you know, right at the end of braking to make it turn. And really? it's very anti-logical for me. So, right. so I've had to adjust. That is probably the toughest thing as a driver uh, is understanding when the car changes, how to change your driving yeah. style. We have uh, telemetry to where all the drivers can look at everything everybody's doing, throttle trace, steering trace. You guys have that same yep. ex- uh, accessibility for other teams and other drivers uh, throttle and steering trace? Well, we don't have that yet. I'm sure we will someday. But, uh, you know, we work with uh, with Dartfish, which is a system. They overlay the the, yep. the, yep. the, the videos of, of two cars. So you get to see that. I know in F1 they do cool stuff, like they record the sound of the engines. Mm-hmm. So they know the gearing pattern and all that stuff. We don't have that yet, but I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah. Um, but trying to change, understanding, <clears throat> first off, that that's the mark of an excellent race car driver's understanding how the car has changed and how that's going to challenge your driving style. But trying to change that habit. It's tough. I find it almost impossible. Yeah, I agree with you. It, yeah. It, I, it's trying, tough. Like he says, he's a late breaker. He's a guy that's going to charge the corner and break hard late. Yeah. Right. Um, some guys trail break early and, and don't break as hard, but trail break early and deeper down in the corner. I mean, it's really... And some guys use the throttle differently. Kevin Harvick um, was was a guy that we'd go to Charlotte, uh, some of the big mile and a half tracks, and he would never be all the way out of the gas. He would always have a little bit of throttle, twenty percent of throttle in the middle of the corner. We never could understand how he drove the car that way, yeah. how it turned. You know, yeah, exactly. I would look at Jimmy's throttle and steering, and he would do things differently than me. And trying to drive like someone else is impossible. You've developed this pattern or this habit yeah uh and trying to uh trying to get trying to get rid of that is is and and, and by the time you figure it out they changed the car on you well. <laughs> i mean because i remember when they went to the car tomorrow yeah. or whatever we called that and i think that is what we called it yeah. couldn't come up with a shorter name for that could we but that <laughs> that you know that one to me i i don't know that you ever really loved that car did you well there's cars that you just don't like to drive um and i mean i'm sure that you've had your experience you've ran a lot of different stuff yeah, you ran there. everything yeah. yeah so i mean is there what was the what was the car that was probably the worst driving car in general <laughs> not not for, not specific to a team or just like what was the most challenging <laughs> not that go-kart race though, unfor- when you were 10. unforgiving that. car that you drove well actually you know i think last year was tough for me i really, really did yeah we we had, uh, it was the most unpredictable car I've driven, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't get my head around it. So I really had to work and deep, dig deep, um, but couldn't really figure it out. And then it took us the whole winter to work on it, and now it's fine. Um, but we worked hard as what a team. What were some of the challenges? Uh, the, the thing I couldn't feel when the car was snapping. The car would snap, you know, it would roll and snap, and, and I wasn't able to feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know when it was coming, so a lot of the time I was getting mm. caught out. And I'm not someone who crashes a lot. But last year, man, I crashed so many times. I hit the wall so many times, and I, I went off the track so many times that I lost confidence also. So, you know, it's very difficult when you get in that cycle because you can't, you can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. And when you think you see the, the light at the end of the tunnel, then you have another moment, and it takes you back. So, um, But that's what this team is really good at. You know, we were in a place last year but then we hit the track this year and and it's completely different so that was nice and so with that said um at the indy 500 uh during the month where you won you won the grand prix you won the pole and you won the indy 500 there was conversation about um just the security of your ride and all that kind of popped up at the end of the race and Robert uh, Roger Penske put it to bed quickly. As, I mean, he's like, "Hey, we just dominated this month, and he's you know he's my guy, he's my driver." And you talk about losing your confidence. 
So do you have it back? You've got to be yeah. as confident as you've ever been. I have been confident since the beginning of the year because yeah. in testing it felt really good. Uh, like I said, the team did such a good job at giving me what I needed. Um, so I have felt since the beginning of the year that we could contend for the championship. Indy, I tell you what, I've I've been waiting for Indy since the end of last year because I think you know we obviously won that race and he deserved it. But I also felt like I had a shot at least mm-hmm. to fight with him for it, and and I, I kind of blew it on the last. Uh, pit sequence um, and I blew it in 15 when I had a, a very very good car to win it also so I've slowly been working on it year after year well, what did you do on that pit sequence that you I just you didn't have a good out lap didn't have a good in lap okay. didn't stop quick enough in the box you know all the the little the details little things. the big de- yeah the little details that make such a big difference that was one of the things that I uh, found surprising I've watched the Indy 500 on TV a million times um and but seeing it in person, you really get to be able, you really get to understand how critical every single pit stop is, every in lap, every out lap. All that stuff is developing down to the end of the race. Yeah. Uh, in the Daytona 500, for example, with the draft, and and obviously the draft at any car too, it, it's it's a everything's not so critical. Every moment is not so definitive toward the end of the race. But yeah. in the Indy 500, it is. It, it is big time. Uh, you can't yeah. let up for a second. Like no. every little. Every little thing you have to do perfectly. Yeah. Um, and the outlaps were the most uh, focused on part, I think, for most of the teams this year because everybody understood how that did affect the race and yeah. how, how that's been a big – how that played a huge role in the last race at Indy. Um, so you guys are out there um, – I remember in uh, – the last practice, I sat there and watched you guys practice, and everybody yeah, I was... I saw you every time I was leaving the pits. You were yeah. right there. I was like, I'm going to give him a good burnout. <laughs> Swerve at him. Swerve at him. I was watching everybody. I know you guys are scuffing some tires, but yeah. you also were doing working on your outlaps. Yes, Like, I y'all spent a majority of that practice, that final practice, like, sort of perfecting that outlap or understanding just how much grip and how tr- how hard you can charge. Yeah, it's it's a very good, valid point, because there's so much to gain on that um turn two it's so narrow right it's so and it's grass everywhere right around you so yeah, yeah. you make that, one that, mistake that, you're that, off that inside road that yeah. whatever you call it yeah. and it's bumpy it's not Is easy it? yeah and then the, the in turn two you go into turn two and it and the road drops uh opposite banking and it's oh. actually the, you don't get to feel the car at all it's just like it's floating mm-hmm. uh, it's Whoa. a really weird feeling not very enjoyable because if you lose it you're going straight onto the racetrack, and it's not good. In so, front of somebody. Yeah. So I noticed that when I was driving in the two-seater. I know we were yeah. going half speed, but when we pulled off the pit road, the way – I mean, Mario went around – Oh, he his, goes. Is he digging? Yes. He goes. Oh, like yeah. He's, <laughs> he's flying around that um, that that exit, uh, pit exit yeah. line, lane, and – I was thinking in my head, I'm like, I'm extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's how it feels to drive an IndyCar. Right. And <laughs> All the time, every lap, pretty much. You guys are going twice as fast. Yeah, the faster you go, the better it feels. Like, it's it's just horrible to drive 180 because the cars are not low enough to the ground. You know, the downforce doesn't push you to the ground enough. The faster you go, the more downforce, the better it feels. And the car is designed, the setup is designed to be running at 225, 230 miles an hour. It's not made to be 220 and lifting in the corners. Mm -hmm. So when you find yourself in traffic is when it becomes difficult because you're lifting. The right leg comes up and you lose rear grip and it's it's just just a mess. Yeah. I was noticing that too. Like uh, at the end of the straightaway, I was sitting there on the pit box during the whole race and I heard all the guys backfiring, popping and spitting. I had no idea that there was that much lifting in that race. I mean, I just didn't know that they were – 
they were the, the car's really in your hands. Yep, like, it is. You know, and you're dry in the race. You guys are are driving those cars, lifting and trying to put yourself in position to get runs and be able to get back, get around guys. I was really surprised by that. Yeah, and it's um, you know, they've done a good job in the car of changing the formula. I yeah. think uh, now it's is really good. We're right on the limit of having just enough downforce, but uh, just enough to follow, but. Uh, but also it's hard to drive. You know, it's not like you're flat out behind people easily. Uh, and we see it with the crashes that happens. Mm-hmm. It's just like you lose it and it's done. But uh, qualifying is also, man, it's... Uh, so in oh, qualifying, it's one of my favorite exercises. Yeah, right? Well, it's wide open, but that's the, that's the trick. It's wide open. Some tracks, it's better to be wide open. So you, you put enough downforce to be just wide open, mm-hmm. but on, on the limit of sliding. Yeah. Sometimes if you take too much downforce, you're still wide open, but sliding, you lose grip. You lose time, um, but it's the balance of how much downforce do you need and how much full throttle you're going to have. Yeah. It, so at Indianapolis, though, what is that balance? Is the, it just wide open the whole way around? All the years I've been around, it's better to be wide open, but yeah. uh, but right on the limit. I mean, it's you come out of the car and your heart rate is up in 180. Yeah, it's like you're shaking because you're, the car is on the limit. You're sliding. One inch mistake um, if you get your apex too late or too early and you're off in the wall. So. Did you feel good about your qualifying lap? I mean, obviously you won the pole. Um, but, you know, when Will was here, he gave us a really good idea of how uh, the heart rate, like his heart rate got some it's like ridiculous uh, number and in, in you're just on the edge the whole time. What, what did you feel like during your lap that won the pole for the Indy 500? Well, my car was pretty hooked up. So, so you were feeling good. You <laughs> I was feeling really good, yeah. I was feeling really good. The biggest thing is you don't know what you're going to do until you, st- you cross start finish. So, you, you know, I looked at the dash first lap, 230. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's okay. Hmm. I'm going to need a little bit more speed here. Second lap, 230. I'm like, whoa, it's holding really well. <laughs> third lap, 230 again. I'm like, okay, i got a shot now. So third lap, fourth lap was about, you know, managing uh, anti-roll bars and, and weight jacket to make sure that the car was going to be loose enough so I wouldn't scrub too much speed. Uh, the biggest thing in IndyCars these days in qualifying, if you, if you steer too much, you lose a lot of speed. Right. Uh, right. So it was about being un- as much as possible on the limit. So you were freeing the car up as Very you Very super free. Yeah. <laughs> as each, with each lap, you were yeah. you were adjusting the car yeah. and making to it stay free. Yeah, yeah, wow. to stay free. Yeah. Because I watched the, pra- the, the you know the laps, and there's a little bit of fall off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was some of that is the engine plenum plenum getting hot, so you're losing horsepower. Really. Yeah. Some of that is temperature. Now, now, I'm ignorant, though, so help me. What, what, what exactly are you doing to, to free your car up while you're driving? That's a good point. Sorry, I was in my, my No, thing. no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good point. Uh, well, we have something similar to the track bar that they have in NASCAR, but it's a, it's a weight jacker, so it's uh, the right rear uh, damper or shock uh-huh. is, uh, is being basically compressed, um, and, and that sends weight to the left front tire, the more weight you have there, the more the car turns left. Yeah. So you adjust that. You've got about 20 adjustments uh, either way. So you can make the car understeer yeah. or oversteer, depending on that. And then you've got anti-roll bars adjustment, front and rear bar, basically, that will make the car turn less or more. Or and, and so more how less. do you actually execute that adjustment? Is it just a, just a, uh, a switch? Or so, or yeah, we've, a, we've got uh, buttons on the buttons? steering wheel and okay. then uh, two bars in the car. And where on the track will you make those adjustments when you're doing a lap? Uh, between corners, uh, depending on the wind also. You look at the wind socket, and depending where you cross the wind, you adjust that. So a lot of the time I'll adjust. If I have a headwind, I put one click on the right side to make the car turn a little less because the wind is going to pick up the front wing. Oh, okay. Um, and wow. And There's a lot going on in your head versa, there. Yeah. How much were you adjusting <laughs> the car in those final laps? Uh, about, yeah, of the race. every corners. 
Really? In the ra- oh, in the race? In the race. Oh. Um, not much. Really? No, that you thing was pretty good. You had a lot good. going on. That oh, thing so was, it, that it thing was, was really good. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have to do much, much. How, so in the, in the final laps of that race, you were extremely aggressive trying to make sure that you didn't give Rossi any opportunity. And Thank you, by the way. Why is that? Learned from you. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That breaking the draft did, did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is that right? I watched I watched you a lot, uh, Daytona, on what you did and how you were doing it. I know you were using it to push you, um, but we actually used it the other way because the cars are just different, right? So, yeah. but uh, yeah, I've been watching a go. lot of NASCAR because you guys run so much on oval. You you know a lot more than we do about oval racing. Like we, unfortunately, we only have six oval races a year, and they're all different kind of ovals. So takes you a long time to learn the tricks because you don't get to do it and the craft exactly so what's your feeling about um ovals you i mean you grew up racing road courses my my opinion was to help you shape your answer when i when i ran when i grew up i wanted to race stock cars and stock cars were ovals and we went to a couple road courses because we had to and i I hated them and i did badly at them because Uh i had a bad attitude about it now near the end of my career i became i fell in love with them and I really enjoyed racing at those race uh, racetracks at the end of my career. But I never strived to become a road racer. It just wasn't – my focus was ovals, stock mm-hmm. cars. Your focus was road racing, driving on road courses all your life. And now you're in a series where there are quite a few ovals. Yeah. Um, how do, and, and we talked to, to Will about his struggles on ovals, and now how he's become uh, one of the better oval racers and how he enjoys it. How do you feel about those? Yeah, it's very similar for me. I uh – I had no idea what an oval was until I showed up here in 2012. So um, obviously, I knew Indy was one of, was always going to be one of my goals since I was a little kid. So I knew I had to be good at it. Yeah. But it seemed to be a very far, unrealistic dream, quite frankly. I thought you know I would have a better chance to win Le Mans uh, or, or other races. So for me, Indy was gonna, always going to be that big, um, big dream, um, almost unachievable. But uh, my first Indy... 2012 was a disaster. <laughs> I, I I got into turn one. Every, everybody told me how tough turn one was going to be. And the problem is I listened too much and I lift so much. I was last after oh. that first oh, corner. Wow. So, but then from then it's been, it's been increasingly better and better every year. I think, like you said, I hated it to start. I learned to love it and I got better at it because when you love something, you learn to do it better. Um, I think what I enjoy the most is um, I kind of like the fear factor. You know, I do. Mm. I really do. I'm a bit of a daredevil inside. So I enjoy the speed. I enjoy being on the limits, knowing that there are consequences is actually something that excites me. Um, so all of that made it so I enjoyed it more and more. Um, and then studying. I'm, I'm, I study a lot. So studying the racecraft of each and every one on Oval is something that I really enjoy. And, yeah. and I think I, I feed off that and I became better. So, so, all right, we got to go back to these last three laps of the Indy 500, though, because that was an amazing three laps. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, all right, so take us through your head. All right, you have had this dominant car yeah. all month, basically. You've been feeling good. Your confidence is an all-time high. And then Rossi passes you. All right, what's in your mind right at that moment? So at that moment, I'm like, the actual thing I said to myself when he goes in, around me in turn one is perfect. Perfect. I was so worried that he was going to wait. Uh, I was so worried oh. that he was going to wait for the last lap and do it. And if he did it on the last lap, he could have won the race. Um, I knew that it would take me three corners to get him back. I knew I, need, I didn't need a full lap to get him back. So that was good. So I knew even if he got me on the opening of the last lap, I could still get him. But it would be tight. 
Um, so when he got me three laps to go, I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> wow. uh, and then, um, then he, you know, I, I made sure that I had enough of a gap to get a huge momentum for the next lap, which was one lap in one, one corner, one lap in two corner. And then when I got him around turn three, you know, I took his air off when I turned and uh, he backed off quite a bit. <clears throat> then honestly, I, on, by the white flag, he was so far, I thought I had it. But then um, yeah, on the back stretch, on the last lap, then he got really close. He had a good turn two and I had to pull uh, the Dale Jr. card there. <laughs> you uh, were all over the place. I mean, you guys, yeah. you guys were on one <clears throat> side of the track. I mean, you guys, I, ha I don't, you know what, you bring up Dale Jr., but that does remind me of the way he would run Daytona yeah. in the closing laps. I mean, those guys are all over the place, but you and Rossi, it was amazing. Yeah, my, I mean, my last card in my game was to break the draft, you know, find a way to break the draft. And, you know, obviously um, I was able to finish the corner really low to break the draft because uh, my car was just sensational. <laughs> and then he couldn't really do the same. So that would gain me a little bit. And then when he started drafting, I just moved to the high side. Then he couldn't move as quick as me. So, you know, I did it again. And that was just enough to be inside of turn three. And I wasn't going to lift. Did I wasn't going to lift no matter what. Have you heard an explanation <laughs> why he made that pass so uh, early? Did well, I think my car was a little better. So he knew if he, he had a chance, he had to take it. Plus, it. if it went yellow, he won the race. That's so, true. I mean, oh, you know, you, that's right. at that point, you don't have a choice. You got to go if you, have a, if you have a run. You have to take it. One mm. of the fascinating things for me about watching that race was how in, you know, for the first three quarter of the race, roughly, everybody was playing fuel mileage. And so everybody, you guys are dialing the fuel in and out of the car and you can't really tell exactly who has the best yeah, car yeah and you were hell-bent to lead the race yeah and it was doing bad things for your fuel mileage it was right <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit stressful at one point so how did you i know it all worked out but you were at one point basically short on fuel yeah you know and everyone else had put them well rossi and a few other guys had put themselves in really good position as far as being able to get to the end of the race um and, and where there was conversation that your your team was trying to tell you yeah. that you needed to save fuel, and you were like, "Nope, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to run hard. I'm running out front. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm leading this race. Why? What? Tell me about that." So sort of, it's a great point that you make, and uh, and it goes back a few years. In 2015, I played the game of saving fuel, and I was second, third. I had the best car. I had just as good of a car in 15. I, I really should have won it. Um, but I played the game, and I stayed second, third, and it came the end of the race. I was second, third. I was well positioned. But I realized, well, you have to, uh, well, yeah, I realize now that I should have been first because what happened is, is when we got 30 laps to the end, everything started to get exciting. Everybody started to try to jump each other, and then I fell back to fifth. And then I tried too hard to come back, and I knocked my front wing off, passing a back marker. Mm. Um, so that really sticked with me. I was like, okay. And then the year we won... Probably it's the same thing. We say fuel, we say fuel. You know, you lose that one-tenth of a second per stint, which puts you back in third position by the end of the race. Um, and then you're not in the right position. So this race, I told my team, I said, listen, this race, I'm going to attack. I don't want to be in the pack third at 30 laps to go because it's not where you want to be. Um, and the weather was also questionable. We thought it could rain. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to put myself up front. 
so yeah, it was a bit stressful because we did consume too much fuel. But uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> once I realized it, because it takes me a while sometimes to realize what's going on. <laughs> once I really understood the message, I uh, I, I put myself behind Joseph uh, Newgarden, who at the time was was pretty coming up pretty strong. So I put myself behind him and I turned off the turbos and just went, you know, half throttle on the straightaway. And we gained about eight laps of fuel there. Oh, wow. In, yeah. in, in about 20, 25 laps. So as the race, Mike, as you're sitting on this pit box with me and the race is playing out, um, you don't know. The all as You've watched 75% of this race happen. He's dominated, led every lap pretty much. But you still don't know what anyone else has. Yeah. And then as soon as everybody got in, as soon as we had that caution that put everybody good on fuel, it's like, oh man, <laughs> like, how good is Rossi, or you know, right. how good is he? How 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 good is anyone else? Sato, some... they kept Sato talking about coming. Yes, yeah, Sato is... was on. Yeah, that's another He's thing. He's strong. He's always good at yeah. Indy. Yes, he just has. I always think that like there's guys. People say that you know Daytona and Talladega is like a lottery, and and you know it's all luck, and it's just how you know missing the wrecks, and anybody can win there, but it's not. It. This, you know, you'll see the same people up at the front all the time. Yeah. And Sato and Indy just seem to fit. The yeah, way you does. drive that racetrack, yeah. the, the air, he understands how the car drives and how, how the yeah. air is and drafting and so forth. And he just has a, he has a mental mentality that fits well with that racetrack. So I wasn't no, I wasn't no surprised to see him running up front. But Fearless. I was so shocked. <laughs> He's fearless. I was so impressed, I guess, by how entertaining that race was. With watching the fuel mileage, every, you know when we, when you talk about fuel mileage in NASCAR, yeah. it's usually a bummer. Nobody wants to see a fuel mileage race. Yeah. But that was so intriguing, knowing you guys were short, knowing you weren't willing to 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 give to, to give up the lead. <laughs> it was and you know everybody and everybody can control how much fuel they're using. So as the race is playing out, you don't really know who's got the who's got who's the, the fastest car. And so when the fuel game was over with, uh, Townsend Bell said. All these cars have a kill mode, and everybody's car is going to be turned up to ten, yeah, wide open. Everybody's car is going to be set on kill mode, and we're about to see really who has the best race. Were you at all nervous at that point about just have I seen everything that Rossi has? Have I seen everything that Sato has? I I was aware of Rossi because I watched him in practice, and I knew he was the best kind in uh, in traffic mm-hmm. of every cars I've seen. I thought. All, all two weeks, I thought I had the best car. But then Rossi, right at the end on Friday, became strong. He found out something. So I was very worried about him because I know he's a very good racer. He's got good craft and he won Indy. So uh, obviously, uh, he's got that desire to get number two, right? So, you know, I keep I keep watching the pylon when I go by front, down the front straightaway to see the numbers, you know, Speed? who's where. Oh, just just, yeah. just where people run. And running I could position. see Rossi at number 20, what is he, 27? 27, come up, come up, come up. I'm like, man, he's going to he be the guy. He's going to be the guy. And then, you know, it's funny what you said is actually having to say fuel was a blessing because when I put myself behind Joseph, that's when I realized how good my car was. Mm. That's when I was like, because actually on my own, in, on the racetrack wasn't easy when I was up front. I actually was really loose. And I was struggling uh, just just to stay on the racetrack. Um, but then when I got behind Joseph, my car was actually better in traffic than it was alone. So I was like, hmm, okay, I've got this. I've got this. Interesting. <laughs> and it was good because then that's when I managed to learn a little bit what position myself, and that helped me to pass Rossi in the end. Yeah. You win the race, um, and it was documented by uh, Jeff Gluck, who hung out, uh, one of the guys. That was co- a cool one, yeah. Yeah, he, co- he covers uh, – he covers NASCAR and has for years, but so I followed him on social media, and he sort of hung out and 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 documented 
the process for you. Yeah. Um, what was that like, and what what are some of the moments that uh, after that race that stick out to you that are memorable moments? Mm. Here, here could be. Well, that that that's my favorite ever right. moment. That drinking the milk, <laughs> pouring the milk over my head. Yeah. You know, I'm mask. I'm a whole in kind of guy, so <laughs> I mean that big, I just went for it. I was like, yeah, that gotta, whole thing. Yeah, I poured it. Um, best memory of my life. It will be forever. Uh, just actually. It's a funny thing, but, you know, just feeling the milk on my face, uh, tasting the drips uh, just is a moment of realization for me that, you know, I just won that that, that race, the biggest race in the world, in my opinion. So um, I felt at the time that that's when, because, I mean, you finish the race and everybody's putting you left and right and you got to do pictures, you got to do that. And all of a sudden you get the milk and it's your moment, right? So mm -hmm. uh, Just you and the milk. To me, that was my <laughs> moment. Yeah, that was really uh, special. Yeah, how about kissing the bricks? Kissing the bricks was cool, um, but uh, there's nothing like the milk for me. Yeah, yeah. interesting. The Let bricks were warm. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was going to do a French kiss and everything. <laughs> and then, or like where your head's at, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. it's too warm. I was um, worried my tongue was going to stick <laughs> to it. <laughs> I guess, it, 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 but it is sort of a French kiss. I mean, no matter how you, uh, how you approach those bricks, uh, in your case, <laughs> let, let me ask you guys something. You know, you've won the Indianapolis 500. I mean, I'm sitting at a table uh, of, of a two gentlemen that have won the biggest races there are. Daytona 500, Indianapolis 500. And everything I'm hearing you guys say, you've got races from 2012 that are entering into your mind. And you can't get that go-kart race from when you were 10 years old out of your head. The mental gymnastics that are going on in your guys' head, I am blown away. How do you keep your mental game on those last laps of the biggest races that you will ever race how do you how do you prevent yourself from having one minor mental lapse that will cost you the whole thing you have every opportunity in every corner to do that and yet you somehow be able to avoid it how do you do it how, explain to mere mortals <laughs> how how you guys are able to do that well i i we'll see what junior says but personally um I experienced my highest moment of concentration ever in that race. And it's funny that it happened at that race because it's the most important one. But I had no doubt. I didn't even think about the outcome. I knew what I was doing. Everything was in slow motion. Everything was happening pretty slow. Um, and I could see the game. You know, it's like I was almost like a, the manager of the game, right? I wasn't, I was almost not in it, but I was acting toward it. It was the weirdest thing. And uh, so I had no... I had no stress. I had I had no no bad thoughts. I have had races where it's the opposite, like the Grand Prix in the in the wet two weeks prior. I actually I had a a bit of emotion come up, um, and it was very difficult to control. I controlled it, but I would say the last lap I wasn't a hundred percent. So you know, I, I think you constantly work on it to try to keep your emotion in check. And that's really what drivers have to do. You had some emotions come up. Yeah, explain that. Um, well, it was, um, it was a race that I really had to go get in the Grand Prix. Um, I was seventh on the restart. It was wet. Um, before the pit stop, I was in the lead. I just lost the race, basically. So I had to dig deep. It was mm. in the wet. Um, it was very unlikely I was going to win this, this race, but there was a bit of hope. Um, and I went to get it, and that was probably my most, um, my best drive in the wet ever. Um, and so I had some emotion. I had some, you know... I thought I was going to cry in the car, to be honest with before you. The, before, before the race was finished. Before it was finished, yeah. And my legs started shaking a wow. little bit. Um, huh. I have no idea why. You know, I obviously need to work on it to understand um, because it would probably make me better in the future. 
But um, LBC did because in India I had no problem. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I don't. I, I think. Uh, you know, there's. I've. I won two Daytona 500s, but I lost a lot of them. You know, you lost. You lose a lot of races. And as that, uh, one of the things that that Simon said earlier, um, you know, when he was in the Indy 500 and he got behind his teammate Joseph and he realized how good his car was. Um, so imagine you're out there in the Daytona 500. You've been there practicing all weekend. As things happen throughout that race, and you realize this car is amazing, your confidence just gets so good, so big. Like you have more confidence in those moments than you'll ever have outside the car. Um, then you'll ever that, that you'll never experience that type of confidence when you're not in that race car, you know. And you just become. Um, I don't know, you know, in, in those, in those unique moments, uh, like when he wins the Indy 500 or, or, or someone wins the Daytona 500 like myself, you just become unbeatable. Mm. Your confidence is so strong and heavy that you start, um, you're doing things and thinking of what your next move is and making that move before everyone else thinks to do it. Um, you can you know, you can counter everything that Rossi's doing. You know exactly what he's trying to accomplish and you know how to defend it and you're confident in your car, so you make the move every time. Um, you put your car where it needs to be to, to, to counter whatever's happening around you. Um, when you're not as confident, you make that decision just that split second late, or you don't make it at all because mm. you don't have the confidence. That yeah, you, you know? exactly. Um, so for me, it's all about confidence. I think confidence, as you're building that confidence throughout the race, doing things with your car, and it's surprising you, and it's, it's impressing you, you're like I can't I can't screw this up. This car is too good. You know? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to so be true. the reason. I, I I've got no excuse. My team can see how great this car is. Yeah. They, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to mask this. Uh, if I screw it up, I'm not going to be able to hide it from yeah, anybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did Rossi do anything? You know, he mentions uh you know being able to predict the moves. Did he do anything other than passing you early? Like on that last lap, did he do anything that you weren't expecting? No. Everything no. you knew was coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. The one thing I was expecting is him to do the move on the inside um, of the front straightaway. That's why I blocked that. Uh, so he would choose the outsides. But it surprised me that I didn't try harder, you know, um, to make that move stick. But I guess his car was probably better on the high side, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. But it seemed like he was trying on the outside more than the inside. It's amazing. Absolutely. Hey, I, uh, one other thing about Indy, um, not about the race, but, you know, you mentioned seeing Dale Jr. there. Uh, earlier yeah. in the week. That's okay. cool when so, we met, so, actually. Yeah, yeah I want to ask you about cool. that. Do you, I mean, do you recall that moment when you oh, guys yeah. were able to meet? Because he, he came back. He was holding a tray of barbecue ribs. I, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I'd like to meet him, too. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it was pasta. Why were you holding a tray? <laughs> pasta. Of, what, what were you doing? In my mind, are it you was the barbecue ca- ribs. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you the caterer or something for the team? No, he was going to eat. I was going to oh, eat. Oh, you were going yeah. to eat You're, I, yourself. Pasta chicken was ready. Um, like every day, I guess I'm so boring with food uh, for lunch. But um, I have great dinners, but not good lunch. Exactly. <laughs> well, you're at the track. But Jimmy uh, showed up, and I've always been a big fan, really. Um, you know, you and Jimmy, for me, is, I've always been a, a, a big fan. I should say Joey and, and Kizilowski are my, <laughs> my biggest. <laughs> yeah, I love them, and they're, they're the best guys. I mean, we hang out all the time. <laughs> uh, but uh, I've always been a big fan, obviously, and... Uh, uh, I remember your father when, when I first came to the U.S. Uh, first, to, first time I came to the U.S. You, to the U.S. 2005, I bought this jug, number three jug. Really? Yeah. 
uh, and it had like the bottom was like uh, ice, mm. right? So you would pour your Coke on it, and then it would stay cold. Oh, really? It was awesome. I've never seen that in my life. Before. Wow, that was cool. Anyway, I, I remember your father really, really clearly as as uh, as the greatest. So uh, so that was awesome. So it was a it was it was a big honor for me to meet uh, Junior. And then Damon Hill showed up at the same time. Yeah, right. Da- Damon Hill was also one of my heroes when I was a kid. So it was the weirdest thing. I wanted to talk to Junior. I wanted to talk to Damon Hill. I was like, oh, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> hey, man, I got this barbecue and I want to eat I got to go eat. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, you know, it's awesome, but it's funny for me. I'm, I'm just, honestly, I'm a race fan. You know, I, I love racing. I love what I do. But I also have heroes, right? Mm. So being in the middle of my heroes is the weirdest thing. Uh, I enjoy it. But, Dale, you told us that he took you over to yeah. the cars. And, and this was a funny story because when he was at the Indy 500 uh, and he came back and he had a lot of stories to tell us. And one of them was that you took him over uh, to, to see the car. And then the thing that surprised me was that he got in the car, in Will Power's car, right? Mm-hmm. Am I telling this right? Yeah, yeah. not mine because mine was not going to be. He didn't want this anybody is, touching him. Nobody touches him. This you is my <laughs> question. That is my question. Is that when he told us he sat in Will Power's car, we were, I think we were doing a show and we were all like, is that okay? Because if somebody went and sat in Dale's car during a race weekend, he wouldn't be okay with that. <laughs> nah, Was Will okay. Power okay with that? Yeah, no, I'd say it's totally he had fine. A hint, he had a hint of... Don't get too comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what you said. He said that you know he was like you know smiling and saying, "It's my okay, sit. It's my sit. Get out of my car." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, nah, it's totally cool. I mean, it's um, you know it's great for us to have this interaction with with Junior with 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 other people that are not in IndyCar because you want to have that cross promotion. That's what NBC Sports Network is doing really well right now. It's showing both sports, and it doesn't matter if you love NASCAR. Or if you love IndyCar and you're a fan of one or the other, it would be great if you actually looked at the other one and maybe became a fan of the other one too. Because it's different sports, it's different set of skills, but we're still racing and, and you're going to get you're gonna get what you want out of, out of this mm. uh, show, basically. That's what I think is really cool. Yeah, there was, it, the hospitality was amazing. I mean, it, it, I know as a driver, when you walk up, I know he's got his food, he's getting ready to go eat. I didn't want to enter. I didn't want to derail his because you're hungry. You know, you're working. <laughs> you're working. You're ready to eat. It's lunchtime. I don't like nothing. You didn't my, like the people messed you up. I don't like nothing getting my way. <laughs> That's right. You wouldn't either. I remember. But he took. I thought he would. You know, it's great to meet him, and then he was going to go about his business. But he took a time. He took time to come over and 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 talk a little bit about the cars, and man, it was great. I really appreciated it. And then, as I I got to, I, they tasked me with the. Uh, Chance, uh, chance to interview him coming off the intro stage, and again, I'm I'm like, man, I wonder what kind of you know, wonder what kind of ad- personality he's going to have for this because he's getting ready to race. And it's, like when we would, I was just thinking, like, man, I don't know, I might be. I did forget about that interview. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I was like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm nervous. You know, I'm not, I, I don't. It's right before he gets in the car. He's getting ready to run. He's pole man. He's getting ready to run the biggest race of his of the year and maybe his career. Is he going to want to talk and uh, total professional? Was in a great mood. That was a big deal for me. Like that, that meant a lot to me to be able to interview him coming right off intro stage, right before he gets in the car. And I'm thinking all day, all morning, like, what am I going to ask him? What I don't even remember what I asked you, but I don't remember I either. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out like what would be a good, respectable, professional thing to ask him as he's getting ready to get in the car. I mean, I've always been in the situation that he's in, where people were interviewing me, but I've never been the guy giving the interview. So 
that was a really, really nervous moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine him. <laughs> I know. I mean, he, <laughs> I was nervous because he was nervous. I was, you yeah. guys, you drivers do it. I mean, this is a compliment, but you do a good job on race day. Your race day self does a good job of masking and going through the motions, knowing good and well. Like all, I mean, the Indy 500. I. Just looking at it on TV, that looks like one of the most crowded concerts I've it ever seen. Crazy. Much less a, ra- a pit yeah. road race. I it's mean, it, you know, it's it's got to be pandemonium, and you just have to basically somehow compartmentalize it. I would assume that was and, the part that was that was most had me the most nervous about interviewing him at that particular moment because I have been to some big races and and Daytona 500 is busy on pit road, but nothing like the Indy 500. There is nothing that's comparable to the amount of people that are there. You can't move. And as a driver, you're looking around going, I don't know if anybody really realizes what we're about, what I'm getting right. ready to do. Right. You know, and then right. I, I, I need to get myself into this space. And, and, and like, you can't wait to get in your car because you know when you get in your car and your helmet yeah. on, nobody can get to it's you. It's the best moment. Right? Yeah. You're like, you're insulated. Yeah. And that's all you can, that's all your hope, that's all you're waiting to do is to be able to get in there and just quit, quit hearing and quit thinking about everything else and just drive. And I knew that I was another hurdle. You were one more. I was one. I was another hurdle in the, in between him getting into that car. Um, <laughs> I really didn't feel that way because, like I said, what your attitude was incredible. I I f- I felt no anxiety right. that day. You I could felt tell. Really, really, you know, ready to go. I was. I just felt like I, you know, like when you go to an exam and and you've done your homework and you feel like, yeah, I'm gonna nail this. Right. <laughs> That's how I felt this morning. So uh, that morning um, and. You know, it was also cool that I got to see you before the race to me. So, uh, you know, I I thought that was a good question, uh, which <laughs> I don't was, remember. I don't remember the interview. No, I'm sure it was a good question. That's, a good, that's important if it's not memorable for <laughs> right. wrong reasons. <laughs> right, right. Because if he remembered it, there'd, there'd be a problem. Yeah. There'd be a reason why he remembered <laughs> yeah, exactly. it. Right. <laughs> that's good. So you, uh, we talked about, you know, you getting uh, more comfortable with the ovals. There's some rumor about uh, Pocono going away. It's, and you talk about fear factor. Is there a track any more wild to race on in That's an right. car than, than Pocono? Pocono is 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 definitely one of the one of the most uh, uh, yeah fearful. Yeah. What <laughs> other tracks compare to it? Uh, well, Texas is uh, is a different different feel for us, but it's so fast. Yeah. You know, you, you get so much load on your head, like in the banking. That you know, for two days, I actually feel dizzy after. Mm. You know, I I can't sleep that night because my bed is just it's not that I would drink or anything, but my bed's spinning. Yeah. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, so Texas is is uh, is very different than Indy in that sense. It's a very different kind of race. Well, you talked about uh, um, you loving the Fear Factor. So if you lost Pocono, would you care? I mean, is it a track that you like to go to? I've or? seen some. Honestly, I'd be very honest. Um, yeah. I've honest. seen bad stuff in Pocono. Really yeah. bad stuff. Yeah. Too many. Yeah. Um, I don't like to see that, yeah. and I, I think you know, obviously. Maybe the the package that we had wasn't right. Maybe we could make it better. We've had great racing, uh, but we need a lot of downforce to do that. And then it becomes more of a pack race than anything else. So not a big fan of pack racing because I love to pedal the car around in the corners. You want some? You want to be off throttle yeah. and so forth. Well, yeah. I want to. I want to slide it. I yeah. want to. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to tune my car so it's the best, right? So um, if it's pack racing. Because it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, so that's not driving to me. Um, if you could add a racetrack to the schedule anywhere. And I used to love Fontana. 
Sorry, I cut oh, you there, but yeah. I used to love Fontana. I used to love going there, but we didn't have the crowd, so it uh, oh, didn't work out. Yeah, I like that track too because it had a lot of different lanes. Exactly, like you can that. move around. Yeah. You could move around. You could choose your lane. You can make your car work wherever you want to make it so work. If you could, so, is there a road course in the world that you wish you were? My home to, track. Home yeah, track. yeah I would love to. <laughs> man, I was just thinking about that. I would, I would love to take, um, you know. To have my car there just to do a lap with my car and, and then the, the the crowd would be pretty good i think uh you know we've had races there in the past where we had seventy thousand people show up which is pretty good um so yeah it'd be awesome you live in mooresville what's your impressions of race city usa <laughs> <laughs> how long have you lived here i actually live uh, across the border i'm in cornelius cornelius oh. <laughs> how, long, how long have you lived here uh five years how you like I, it? I love it. I I love the lake. Uh, we live on the right on the lake. I love boat days. Uh, I don't drive it. Haley, my uh, fiance, drives the boat. I hate driving the boat. Yeah. Really? Why is that? <sighs> just I don't get the current kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you have anxiety? Yeah, it's like you get to the dock and you're like, when am I going to hit the dock? You know, yeah, right? <laughs> which side am I going to hurt? So it's the, like, the, the race car driver, the Indy car driver yeah. has anxiety over driving a boat. Got well, it. Yeah, you All reverse right. and it goes... It goes backwards the wrong way. I mean, it's just it's just like <laughs> driving a trailer. It's horrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I love it here. I, I actually, I, the fact that you can, you know, for me, my dad always told me, listen, when you choose a place to live, you got to find a place where you're happy. You, you want to wake up. You want to smile when you look outside. And, you know, we, we got this house on the lake. Um, we did some work to it, which I love. I, I really enjoy doing that. Uh, not myself, but just seeing the evolution is something I enjoy. Mm. And, and being able to go on the lake and, and be with friends for me is everything. Is this some place you think you'll stay? Yeah. After you're done yeah. driving? I think so. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the weather's great. Lake is fantastic. It's reasonable. It's not too expensive. It's not like California. Mm. So why not? Is there any kind of rivalry in the garage area between the U.S. drivers and the international drivers? Uh, I don't know if it's about nationality. Yeah. But I think it's just about drivers in general. Oh. <laughs> we, don't, we, we like to be good assholes. Good people and bad people. A lot of them. A lot of them. Uh, I consider myself as one too. Uh, you know, you, you got to be. I think you have to be because it's a bit of a, you have to be selfish, right? You have yeah. to be selfish sometimes. I I personally, I don't, you know, I, I just think I've, I've got to do my job. If you want to do your job, you can't be sidetracked. It's not, to me, it's not vacation when you go to the racetrack. Mm. <laughs> Is you there know. is there rivalries between teammates? Oh, wait, of course yeah. there is. But we're very friendly uh, because we know that we have to work together to make the Penske cars work and mm. to make a Penske car win. We know that's our first duty. And then after that, the may, the best may win. And I think, you know, Will and myself, we've been racing together since 2005 in Europe and we know each other. And I think, you know, we've both won. So we're at that point where it's like, yeah, if he's better that day, he's going to win. And it's like, it's not a big deal. Um, but now there's young kids coming up and they think differently. Yeah. <laughs> they want to kick your ass, right? Yeah. So, um, and I want to kick their ass just as much. So, yeah. you know, it's, um, it's funny. It's changing. Obviously, I used to be the young kid and now it's changing. But I actually enjoy that position quite a bit more. What's your thoughts on a cup IndyCar companion weekend i would love it yeah i think oh, you know it'd be awesome it'd be awesome to do the the rover together at in charlotte yeah oh. um could you guys run there yeah. because of those big uh turtle shell cone you know kind of curbs that we have that's okay yeah i'm sure we could yeah. i mean transitions yeah it's fine yeah the banking transitions and all that 
I don't think that would yeah. be a problem. I don't no, I don't. I mean, with the wings we have, it'd be fine. We yeah. have grip, so I think it'd be fine. I think, you know, we race on street course, tiny, tiny. Yeah. We raced in Houston in a parking lot once in 2014, Reliant Park. Um, so we could race anywhere, yeah. really. I mean, those cars can do anything. So, you know, it's actually surprising. Slow to the ground, but the suspensions are actually quite good. Yeah, we have really good absorption of the bumps. Mm. So that would be a good one. I'd love to do the Rovo. Yeah. Drive it. Interesting. Drive your car. Drive my car. Yeah. Drive a cup car. Yeah. Have you ever thought about driving NASCAR? Yeah. Now yeah. that, when did that happen when you? When so I you, made that movie, you mean? When I was in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was wondering if that would come up. <laughs> you did the video for yeah. us. Yes, uh, I did. And, 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 <laughs> it was good, actually, it was so funny. Can I say something about that? Yeah. Actually, I sent it to Jeremy uh, Troiano, our, our PR guy. More than PR guy, actually. Sorry, Jeremy. Yes. He does a lot. He's the, he's the <laughs> boss. He's good our guy, boss. Yeah. And um, I, I said to him, I said, I rewatched the video, and I'm actually quite good at this. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> well, it was just spot on, wasn't it? It, it was, was perfect. It, it made me wonder how long you've been doing it. I mean, like... like it's just, it's easy. I just do the French accent. And <laughs> I know, but even It's very then, easy for me to do. Even you, every, the mannerisms were It's perfect. a lot harder for me to do the Morrisville accent. <laughs> Jean Girard is impersonating Simon Pagano is what I it think, is. Do you I get think so. a lot to do that? Every single day. Really? <laughs> every right. day. You get yeah. tired of that a bit. No, it's yeah. okay because I enjoy the movie myself. It's my kind of humor. I love Will Ferrell. Sasha Baron yeah. Cohen to me is like... <laughs> he's genius. the craziest he's a genius he it's a good thing you don't remember Dale's interview before the race because that's what he actually asked you to do he wanted you to do that is that right <laughs> no. yeah, right before he climbed in the race car <laughs> so, so to me it's fine and, and you know what if it's um, if it means that it's going to attract people to IndyCar then I, I'll do whatever it takes <laughs> accents, do and accents and hula hoops man whatever so, it takes yeah. so Roger has a, Roger has Sorry. the Xfinity <laughs> Roger has that Xfinity team and they you know we run quite a few road courses uh, on the Xfinity schedule, do you got do you and Will Power and you guys ever needle Roger to put y'all guys in that car for a race? Well, um, especially after I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to. We actually, uh, we went to Australia once and did a V8 supercar race, but that was before I was at Penske. Um, you ran? I ran the V8 supercar. Wow. Yeah, I did three years. Holy yeah. cow! Wow, really? You love yeah. that. Three years only the Surfer Paradise oh, race. Oh, okay. yeah. that. Just um, oh yeah, because they did the they pair you yeah. with a yeah. they pair you with one of the regulars in that series. Yeah. And then I we wrecked too much, so they stopped <laughs> doing it. Yeah, yeah that's bad. But uh, that yeah. was fun. Their cars are very similar Is it? To, to NASCAR, I think. Is it? It's probably the closest thing that I can think of outside of stock car yeah, racing would be to drive, man. Really hard to drive. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, those skinny tires, they don't last yeah, very long. Porsche Cup tires they have. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was good. And I, I'd love to do, i tell you what, I would rather drive, a, um, I'd love to try a cup car on the, on the Novo. Really? More than the road course, because uh, just be super honest, I think I'm driving the best car there is on a road course. You know, there's tons of grip, great tires, lots of downforce. Those are very nimble cars and fun to drive. Um, I think, you know, I would be taken aback a little bit in a cup car on a road course. You found the challenge. Yes. Well, it would be difficult for me to find a braking zone because it would be so much earlier. Um, the movement of the car would be quite a bit different. So it would be be different but on an oval i think obviously those cars seems like they're made to be on an oval you know that the uh <laughs> a nascar the a cup car is the, basically the marriage of a chevrolet pickup truck rear end and a and like a nova <laughs> or camaro set mid-70s camaro front clip 
So I don't know what they're made for, but <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely not made to go around road courses. I promise you that. <laughs> well, man, I, I'm glad that we got a chance to hang out with you and talk to you. My experience at Indy was incredible, and it was because of the hospitality. Guys like you being so accessible and so kind with your time and um, it made that, I mean, I, I knew I was going to have fun watching the race and, and being there for the race, but the community is incredible. You guys got a great thing going on. And I, one of the things that I'm most impressed, uh, by all the drivers is how you guys all work together and pull together for the series. You all seem to take a, uh, responsibility for the, the sport as a whole, being healthy, growing, you all put time in, you all, you, you know, you have the autograph sessions that y'all do every weekend. Uh, but you all seem to work together to try to help the sport. It's fun to watch. Um, I'm a big fan, and uh, congratulations on your most Thank recent you. success. Uh, good luck going forward. Um, we need to get lunch now. We do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm learning. Like I had no well, idea you have how barbecue? you guys live so close. We're we doing barbecue. We'll do some barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go to Gary's and Cornice, or I mean, uh, in Troutman. Yeah, there you go. But we appreciate you coming out, man. Thank and you. Thanks for having me. It's it's fun to it's fun to have the opportunity to uh, to talk about it all and and being with you. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I, the thing that's great is about sharing stories, right? No. Because there are so many good stories in racing that uh, the fans don't get to hear, right? Because you know, you only have so much time on TV. You only have that's so right. much time to talk, and the interviews are always the same. Um, so I really enjoy these kind of interviews, this kind of time, especially with a a proper racer like you, because. <laughs> You know, obviously, you know what you're talking about. You you know the details that go into winning a race, like you, when you won in Daytona. Um, you know what it took. And, you know, when, when we explained what it feels like to be at a high level of concentration, yeah. you can't explain that in, in any yeah. other interviews. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank yes, you very sir. much because that's uh, I think that's, what, uh, that's what's missing. All right, dude. We'll be watching going forward. Good luck. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Simon. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, wonder what those are, options, and cryptos, all commission-free, while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can just start investing at any level. That simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular stocks, all types of collections that you may be interested in. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so that you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the Dale Jr. Download, a free stock mm. like Apple or Sprint mm-hmm. to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at dalejr.robinhood.com. All right, Valvoline question of the week time. Dale Jr., I love this question because it's about dads and their kids. You know, the greatest thing to me about Father's Day is when the kids put effort into the gift and then they kind of give it to you and you're just waiting to see uh, you know, they're, they're waiting to see your reaction, you know, if you get their approval. And so uh, a lot of them, like my daughters will make, uh, spend a lot of time on, on cards and they'll do things themselves. So let's flip the script. Dale Jr., is there a do-it-yourself project that you have in mind for your kid, Isla, 
Uh, maybe you've already done it before. Maybe you've built something for, maybe you've done something, uh, or maybe you have something in mind. What do you think? Something in mind. I got something in mind. So my sister bought a, a little uh, kid's sort of playhouse mm. for Carson a long time ago, and it's been sitting unused for a while. My mom was actually keeping a lot of her gardening stuff in there. But we moved it to my house and we've put it we've put it out in the yard and we're it needs some some TLC. So over the next we got no hurry because Isla's only fourteen months old, but over the next year, a year or two, we're going to uh, remodel this little playhouse. That's cool. Yeah, it's got a little loft up in it and it's wired and uh, for, for a TV and whatnot. But I'm not gonna put no TV in it, but it's wired for <laughs> You know, Wi-Fi. Well, you know, I I got to figure out exactly what you know what she really gonna need in there. What she don't need uh, is a TV. But um, Dad, the service in here sucks. Everything. Yeah, she's gonna have a tablet anyways, probably. So she ain't gonna want to even use the TV. But uh, we got to figure out how to build it out and and make it functional for her, where she can get in there and play, have a little kitchenette and whatnot, so her and her friends can play house and do all the things they want to do. But yeah, so that's that's something cool going on with the house there, little DIY there. That'll be cool. You know, clubhouses are something that I, every dad at some point thinks they can build. I, I I don't have something that's already existing, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah. So that tree there, how does this work? And I've even gone online and look at like uh you know playhouse clubhouse type specs. Uh, you know, there's a lot of them. You can make them out of uh, what do you call those uh, pallets? Oh yeah. You know, have oh, you ever really? seen? Oh yeah, you can go to a website and make them out of pallets and whatnot, and so. Eventually, it's coming. Now, of course, my kids, if it's happening, I need to do it. I need to, I mean, there's 10 and, and 7 now. So, like, uh, you know, it's, eh, Playhouse, about to run out of time on that because they're not going to care uh, very soon. But yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's the max age? When's the Playhouse? Dude, my, there's a treehouse that I, I think, I'm pretty sure my dad had a hand in building it, but it's at my grandparents' house, and it's still there. And... When I when I go to my grandparents, I look at it and I'm like, when I was a kid, this thing was huge, right? Well, now that I'm grown, it's tree you know, stand. It's as tall, you know, it's as tall as me, <laughs> but I, and it's still there. And I'm always like, man, can I can I go up in that? Can but, I hunt you know, out of it? <laughs> it would be a great deer stand down. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Your treehouse. You got a ma- massive deer stand if we want to yeah, call it exactly. that. <laughs> <laughs> we just all get up on that deck. <laughs> Yeah, you get from all deck. angles. <laughs> Deer ain't gonna cross here. Somebody I can go, fix uh, breakfast. <laughs> that'd be funny. Yeah. Have you guys, uh, Matthew? You do anything? Yeah. Uh, for yeah. Actually, we've got a, a swing set kind of thing for Hudson and now Annabelle, and we got a little plastic little junkie. Uh, and you built it? No, it? Well, well, we we put it together. But my wife I don't and know my if that on a DIY a project. Hold on, my wife and my uh, in laws got together this week, and they bought pavers, and they're gonna put pavers that go from that area to the other little thing and paint them like hopscotch, like different colors, one, two, three. Like my my in-laws have been in town and most people hate their in-laws or dislike them. My in-laws are cool as heck. And uh, they're doing they're doing the DIY. I got to help them though, you know for sure, or else it's not mine. Well, there you go. Well, they're, they're, I think we still need a ruling on if that's a DIY, but we'll we'll <laughs> get back next week. <laughs> Anytime you're helping somebody, that defeats the purpose. Do it yourselves with others. Right uh, from high mileage rides that need that thick anti-wear film to newer engines that have that carbon buildup and carbon buildup. <laughs> Head over to Valvoline.com/dale to find product spec for your engine. Alrighty, Ask Junior time. Are we live? We oh, are yeah. live. Oh, okay. uh, this is the Ask Junior portion of the show, uh, brought to you by our friends at Nationwide 
Nationwide. Uh, oh, you, you looked at me like you wanted me to sing the jingle. Nationwide is on, <laughs> on your, your side. side. So very good guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't sing the jingle much. No, you just did. Yeah. So <laughs> we got some good questions today, Leah. Yeah. First question. Um, a lot of people after the Joe Gibbs episode last week, they are dying to know what is in this pimento cheese stuff to me. <laughs> Do you have the recipe? Can you oh, share it? It's just pimento. So it's the baby tomatoes. It's the little oh. guys. cherries. Yeah, little cherries. And they hollowed them out and filled it with pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And so that it's simple. But That's effective. It. Yeah. They baked it or something? Nope. Yeah. Oh, so just you were cold. you were just popping those things one after another, <laughs> right? Pimento nuggets. I was I was yeah. like envisioning the big like They'll a big. No, thing. that would be he's disgusting. On his, he's on his interview. He's like, <laughs> that's like a half a yeah, that's like a quarter like pound of pimento cheese. Just <laughs> oh, gross. Um, another thing that you've kind of stirred up. Nope. Oh. Mr. Earnhardt. Uh, everyone wants to know what's the Wednesday news. <sighs> And oh, yeah. Can, can I can't, it's not Wednesday. Yeah, it's not Wednesday. But you, seriously, can I just say, you are like a toddler with sharp <laughs> objects with you and Twitter. You are. <laughs> what did I do? You just, it's like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to monitor so him true. all weekend to see if he announces this I, ahead of time. Way. When you put up He's that like, Instagram last week, I was help. like, I went into full panic mode. I'm like, what is this about? Like, oh my gosh. He is like, he's like, I mean, he even like put a little bit out there. Like, I'm going to put a little what teaser. What did I do? Hashtag the band's back together. Yeah. What's I'm wrong with that? that not, everybody's ever going to figure this out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Nobody's ever going to figure it out. And the person that wants to announce it is going to be the one that announces it. And that's not my, it's not me. And yeah, but I want people to know. <laughs> <We're close though. laughs> I want people to know that I'm excited about it. You, the, the reason I say that he has announced things uh, prematurely. I have. Yes, he has. Yeah. <laughs> I just want everybody to know that I'm excited about it, and want everyone else to anticipate it. So anticipate go. it, and when it comes out <laughs> Wednesday, we can all just go, "Heck yeah, that's cool." Dale Jr. will be the guy like, "I knew it before y'all did. I knew it. I'm I knew it before you guy. did. I, mean, I told, told you. you. I'm not that guy." <laughs> it's just it's really cool news and it's gonna be it fun. Is. It is that. It is that. Yes, it is. So Mike knows what it is. Does anybody else know what it is? Anybody? Okay. Uh, Show I, hands. I have a guess. Okay. I have a guess I, and I'm not gonna guess obviously. I kind of force some yeah. people to tell me about it after All right. your tweets. It's cool. It's gonna be fun. All right. Moving on. Um Scott <laughs> uh, on the YouTube chat, he wants to know have you ever driven an asphalt modified? I have not. Um I've never drove one of those. I have not really drove too many types of vehicles. Um, yeah, so no asphalt modified for me. I, I mean, I guess I could try it. be interesting to try, but I can't imagine. L.W. Miller, my brother-in-law, big-time asphalt modified racer, um, talks highly of them. Yes, he, he loves does. them. <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, and Truex uh, run one a lot. Me and Matthew are going through old NASCAR publications, those season previews that I have of my oh, office. Oh, yeah, we're we saw fun. a funny picture of LW back in 1994. <laughs> yep. Our buddy Grothouse chiming in on the YouTube uh, live chat. Have you ever tried spotting for another driver? I did. I spotted for Brad uh, Means. So if you know Jimmy Means. Really? That used to race in the Cup Series. He had the Alka-Seltzer car. Uh, he owns an Infinity car now that David Starr drives, that orange 52. Well, me and Brad were best friends growing up. Uh, still great friends today, but we were really close, uh, hanging out a lot. And he raced at Tri-County in a limited uh, limited late model car. And I went up there to spot for him one time. He started on the pole of the race. And in 
uh, after the first lap, the guy behind him just dove, bo- dove, by, uh, dive, bom- dove bombed, <laughs> dive bombed, dive <laughs> bombed, yeah, bomb. made up a word. <laughs> he dive bombed Brad into turn one, and I clear Brad uh, into that corner, and the guy wrecked him and drove over the left front tire and ripped the hood off and just destroyed this guy's car, Brad's car. And I had to help Brad get some parts and pieces for it to be able to put it back together. But uh, so I spotted once, and and caught, and and my car wrecked in the on the second lap of the race. So I never spotted again. <laughs> I felt like I was I was responsible for that. So <laughs> bad spotting. Uh, Zach Barnett wants to know: Is that a diecast of Ralph Earnhardt's car behind you on the wall? If so, where did you find that? Uh, yeah, that was given to me by a fan. Uh, that made that there's a little black pickup truck with uh, the car on the trailer and um, a picture of Ralph's car uh, that they've they've remodeled that you know we've gotten up this room is full of little tiny knickknacks that we've collected over the years I don't remember who exactly gave that to me but it's next to Ralph's got a trophy right here next to it one I got a lot of Ralph Earnhardt's trophies in my possession so there's one though that is over at DEI that I would love to have and that's the 1956 uh, Sportsman Championship trophy oh yeah I think she's got I think Teresa has uh the 56 championship trophy and maybe Greenville Pickens track championship trophy there's three trophies over there Mamaw said just ask her for it beautiful too (laughs) next question next Next question question. Uh, J.D. Harshfield, he wants to know, will we see the cup cars on dirt in the next five or ten years? I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't bet any money on it, but, you know, if they do it, they do it one day. The only thing they talk about is is how they would accommodate, you know, those ca- those cars being able to pit and, and how would the race be ran. Obviously, you can't, op- you know, you can't run it like you'd run a regular cup race where yeah. all those guys are going to come down pit road and change tires. You're going to have to have some sort of – halftime break or or break every you know 100 laps to allow guys to stay to get in there and pit and pit safely and and reset the field and go back racing again like they do they do that in the trucks where they have like a little stoppage uh to be able to yeah Yeah. so they'd have to do it like we've never done it before and sort of jumping through all those hurdles is probably the biggest challenge but um i'd certainly love to see it i'd love to see anything unique like that in our sport so I, it, may, it may happen, but I wouldn't. I, I'm not. It's too much of a risk. The odds are too high for me to put any money down on it. Mm. All right, guys. I think that's all we have time for today. Thanks to Nationwide for supporting us as a podcast. Uh, that's the Ask Junior segment. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag, right there. White flag. All right, white flag. I'm going to start off by uh, saying happy birthday to my daughter, Lily. It's her seventh birthday today. She's a big fan of the show. Happy birthday, Um, Lily. Yeah, so uh, there you go, Lily. Uh, Apple Podcast ratings and reviews this week. Uh, First of all, thank you to everybody that continues to do that. We we get a lot. And so uh, here's a couple. Here's a couple. Uh, Wave 94 wrote on Tuesday, it's not often that I'll admit I'm wrong about anything. That being said, I hated Dale Jr. for many, many years. Oh, no. <laughs> Not and disliked. Th- and that's all he said. So let's move on to the next one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I thought he was an entitled brat. Thanks. Wow. I thought he was just trading on his dad's name, and I was a fan of his dad's. But a friend of mine told me about the John Force podcast, and I've been hooked ever since. I've come to realize just how wrong I was for so long about Junior. I hate that I was so close-minded about him and who I thought he was. It's a lesson that I'll use in life from this point on. And for that, I'd like to say to Dale Junior, thank you for being you, even though it took me so long to see it. Hey! Wow! Hey! 
That's, got him turned. Turned him we, around. Just like wait? Johnny Sauter did to Austin Hill. Turned him around. <laughs> <laughs> why did we wait to the end to talk about this? This is nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you could have pumped his tires earlier and he would have been like, wow. <laughs> no, that, I, I thought that's, hey, listen, a little self-evaluation uh, of yourself. I mean, hey, yeah, I liked yeah. it. Uh, Austin Hunter, <laughs> listen, get this one. Hold on. Oh, Austin boy. Hunter wrote on Thursday, love the show. Dale Jr. listening to you talk about having your daughter has helped me realize I can handle being a dad as well. <laughs> now my wife and oh I boy. are expecting in November. <laughs> no way. Wow. Thank, thank you, Dale, for That's the confidence. Thank you Dale, for the confidence and a life-changing decision. Holy so, crap. Congratulations, Austin Hunter. Good Congra- coach, Dale. Congratulations, Dale, on your new couple sex therapy profession <laughs> that you're doing. Very well. Oh Good stuff. He's like, get in there, boys. Uh, yeah. If these are going to be. What you got to do is. Here's what you got to do. We're going to move the white flag to the front of the show. <laughs> this is the best part it's of one the one to go show. before this the green. This is the best part of the podcast. These are uh, inspiring, you know, inspiring couples. Uh, to life. To have fun. Having babies. Procreate. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh. Good Apple reviews this week. It's yeah. That's like, I like those. Um, you could end it right there. <laughs> as Dale said a little while ago, catch Dale Jr. download on NBC Sports Network Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. And I've got a dumb question, and I'm, I'm, I'm admitting it's dumb. Go for it. If you're in California, do you see it at 2 p.m. or do you see it at 5 p.m. Pacific time? I it's, don't know It's the always to this. 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is, is what, uh, what you advertise most TV shows. The people that are on the West Coast understand that if they just see East ET. They like have to on, do the math? They, they know, so but they're trained not, in that. So it does, like, like late night shows come on at 1130 no matter what time that's, zone yeah, you're that's in. That's kind of different. So that's not us. That's not us. They don't do that for they us. They don't do that. Nope. Producer Brian, it's two o'clock. Did, did, he's, no, like, he's, I don't know. he's struggling to show. He's just like, sitting over there with that okay. incredible so, mustache. So five p.m. Yeah. Eastern on Tuesday, two yeah. p.m. Pacific. I've gone ahead and let you know oh. what time it's coming on on NBC Sports Network. So there you go. You can catch it out. Watch our ratings jump now. Now that we uh, have solved that riddle, um, a lot of people are asking about can they see our show full on internet? And I'm here to say, I. We put the good stuff on our YouTube page. I mean, you don't want to see the sucky stuff. You want to see the good stuff. Well, we, put the, good stuff. we put the good stuff on YouTube page. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. Yeah. That's what it's there for. So you can see the good stuff. And, and then they go on YouTube and beg us on YouTube for full videos. The full oh, they, show. Oh, they, they do that. Oh, hey, yeah. Got to keep them wanting more. Keep, yeah, you got to yeah. stay wanting more. Yeah. Come on. Our YouTube channel has grown oh. a lot. A lot. And I'm really appreciative of everybody that does subscribe to you. Tell your friends about it because uh, th- th- that's been an emphasis for us this year is our YouTube channel. So uh, follow it, Dirty Mo Media, and also on all social ma- uh, media platforms. Um, also want to uh, ask one more time to visit our partners of the show. We had Ancestry. We had um, Robin Hood, <laughs> Robin Hood. Man. Right, right. And you're Woo. about to hear Pristine Auction. So special, uh, special thanks to them. Special thanks to Cadence 13 for uh, all they do. And Dale, uh, you got an odd history for us this week? Yeah, man, we got some odd history. It's a quick one, apparently. <laughs> so odd. Yeah. Wasn't odd for long, was it? All right. Um, we're headed to Sonoma. Found out a little odd history from this California racetrack. The year is 1969. It's the first year that NASCAR's Winston West Series was going to race at Sears Point in Sonoma. Mm. Uh, the August race, the track received an unusual entry, and the name was clearly made up. A mystery driver entered under the name... The Spirit of Sonoma. <laughs> They'd be driving a 1967 Ford Galaxy. Uh, no other information was given. Even track officials had no idea who the driver was going to be. Obviously, the vetting process uh, wasn't fully developed back in 1969. Officials were told, however, that this driver was an FIA licensed racer 
and had won races at Daytona and Sebring, which made everybody wonder, man, could it be Mario Andretti or Dan Gurney? <laughs> you know, who could it be? It's the only so, two, I think. Cue the disappointing music. When practice finally <laughs> began, the spirit of Sonoma was finally unmasked. It was Steve Froines. Is that how you say that? <laughs> Steve Froines. Froines. He's from that Froin family. You know about them. He's a sports car racer from California, so that's Froines. Froines. I was thinking if he's French, he might say that differently. Froines. We'll get Simon back in here. Froines. The spirit of Sonoma moniker didn't bring him any good luck either. He finished 19th after losing a rear end gear 36 laps into the contest. The Cup Series didn't compete at Sonoma for another 20 years. But Froines, he did go on to compete in two Cup races in the 70s. At another well-known California road course. Ontario. Riverside oh, International Speedway. Ontario. Oh, that's Oval. You're right. You're right. The spirit of Riverside has entered the race. <laughs> Guys. Something completely different. <laughs> that's pretty weird. Hey, we got to thank our man, uh, our friend NASCAR Man. Yeah. Go on uh, Twitter and, and follow great NASCAR follow. Man. He's a great follow. That's right. Tons of odd stories like this. I love it. And uh, we appreciate him for supporting the podcast, allowing us to read a few of these, queuing some of these up. Wonder what next week's will be. We're going to Chicago. 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 I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of oh, a, it's probably a gangster, gangster, yeah. gangster. I just said gangster, gangster. I am so Chicago. lame. I should not even say gangster. No, yeah, you're ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, there you go. Odd history. <laughs> Good show, guys. Really enjoyed Simon. Enjoyed uh, enjoyed this whole. You show. listen to that accent all day. Yeah. 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 I love yeah. the way he says good, NASCAR. Good, yeah, good guy. How does he say NASCAR? I can't even try it. No, go ahead. Do it. No, go ahead. I'm not going to do it. Right. You, be bold for once in your <laughs> life and do something. <laughs> Poor Leah. Goodness, Mike. Wow. <laughs> for <laughs> once in your like, life. You know, ask her, hey, what kind of favorite tool do you have in your toolbox? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. It's just no tool. <laughs> They're not wrong. <laughs> really? <laughs> I thought you were going to be nice take, to take to She's sitting in here cuddling on her blanket. Okay. Hold on, hold on. Try to absorb this advice. Bl- oh my She's God. got a blanket. Try to get her a snuggie. It. I want a snuggie. I want a Delgerner download snuggie. Try so. to absorb the advice. Can you give her that? <laughs> hey, can you bring <laughs> in the onesie for Don't her? Don't be offended. Take this lesson and learn. <laughs> yeah, you're among friends here. Friends yeah. are honest. Hey, with I'm you. Bring, if we're going to start this, I'm bringing back Tuesday thoughts and wi- wi- uh, Wednesday oh. wisdom from oh. Dale where he says all this crazy crazy stuff and we just make him look that's your rebellious answer yeah. to why our, don't you do, all right, why well, are you not doing yeah, that yeah because yeah. what was that one we did last i guess it was about gravy that was probably my favorite why, did, why are you not doing that can we get that onesie for her <laughs> no the, the taco no, onesie no, she'd no, be no, good sitting here in a taco onesie my wife's too proud of the <laughs> gift she won't let it leave the house <laughs> anyway we should probably end the show yeah, yeah. all right yeah bye appreciate appreciate y'all tuning in I love pristineauction.com, an online sports auction website where you can bid on and win. What, Mike? Oh, yeah. it's You win sports memorabilia. Yes. <laughs> and it's authentic. Right. From the comfort of your home. Yep. All right. So pristineauction.com, they offer daily auctions where all bids start at just one buck. They also have those 10-minute auctions. They're a lot of fun. Real quick. Get your stuff. Get out. Those deals are great when you can snag something. Nobody's looking. And, of course, they guarantee the authenticity of all their items. Everything you purchase comes fully authenticated authenticated <laughs> by only the most trusted sources I've signed for Prestine. Which that, which that means is that I've signed stuff for them. So when you know you see something on there, it's signed by that person. There's no fakes, no uh, forgeries. And those are everywhere, but not at Pristine. Before the show, Dillner, he spotted an 8x10 because loyal listeners to the show know 
But that's the go-to size for photographs. <laughs> this was autographed by the King Richard Petty for twenty bucks. So Ooh. go to yeah, go to pristineauction.com now. You'll be hooked. It's free to register, free to bid. You only pay for the items you win. That's pristine auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And when you register, be sure to select the Dale Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section because that lets them know that we sent you. Pristine Auction.